and talk about conspiracy theories. Uh, today we are joined by myself, Jake, and uh, uh, as always, John. <laughs> I don't think we're any. We're, we're not having special featured people here. It's just us. Nope, just uh, us. Just us. And uh, hopefully, yeah. in the future, we get some interviews and stuff. We will. Definitely. This actually might have been a good one to have an interview for because I know a guy. Yeah, yeah. So, and and that's interesting because he would have given some some interesting stuff at the bottom. We'll we'll get to that. Well, yeah. I talked to him about it recently. Did you? And yeah. Uh, not well. <laughs> not that interesting. <laughs> oh, okay. No, not with what he does with this particular conspiracy. Sure. No. Yeah. So I, I've I've talked to somebody else involved in this, and it's um yeah definitely interesting. And well, not to sound mysterious, but uh, I'm sure at this point you've already seen the uh, title in the uh, description when you clicked on the podcast. So you already yeah. know what we're talking about. Um, so definitely not that mysterious, but as always, let's, uh, start out with the, uh, the brew part of the brew Illuminati. Oh yeah. And we will talk about the beer that we're drinking today. And, uh, Mr. John, what do you have over there? So today <clears throat> we are drinking a beer from one of my favorite breweries right now. Sycamore, which is located in Charlotte, North Carolina. And today we are drinking their extremely delicious Tropical Kush IPA. This is this is one of the better IPAs I've had in a while. It's a super while. good. It slaps. Yeah, it does. Everything that this brewery makes to me, especially in the IPA realm, just is on fire. Yeah, they're kind of the uh, like stone of the East Coast. Like they're doing a lot of really cool stuff with different different IPA things. Yeah, and I love the names of their beers. Like so, they're all basically drug themed, right? So there's like Tropical Kush, Special Brownies. Yes. Um, I can't even think of some of the other ones right now, but they're they're all like yeah, you know, kind the whole of drug list themed. online. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And like sometimes they're just like really funny names. Like there's one called uh, Juice Willis. Juice, okay, which cool. was another yeah. one of the. Juice it was Willis. like a it was nice. like a short run special edition IPA they did. Yeah, Juice Willis. I bet their brewery's fun down there. Yeah, I went there a okay. couple weeks ago. Sure. Yeah, 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 and it was definitely cool. Like they, it was actually uh, when they were doing the Tropical Kush relaunch. Oh, cool. Okay. So um, even with COVID, they were doing stuff like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they like had a mask policy and people were social distance. Nice. And they good. even had like live music, but you couldn't get very close to the stage. They has it like roped off and stuff. Wouldn't want to cough on a singer. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And um, <clears throat> yeah, like, so this beer, what, they were relaunching it in early October or something like that. And so it's, it's not out all the time. This isn't okay. one of their like permanents. Oh, okay. Yeah. But um, it is a beer that they had before. People loved it. They went crazy about it. Um, and so, and then they discontinued it. And then people were like, when are you bring Tropical Kush back? When are you bring? Yeah. And so then they were like, we're bringing Tropical Kush back. And everybody like <laughs> lost their minds about it's it. It's time. Yeah. Like I follow them on Instagram. And as soon as I saw the Tropical Kush thing, I went there and it was already like a fuck ton of comments. People being like, fuck yeah, Tropical Kush fucking <laughs> rules. Like, I can't it's good. wait. This it's is going to be amazing. Um, it's definitely good. Like, so they're, they put these like funny descriptions on the sides of the cans. Yeah. So what this one says is, um, kind of fruity, kind of dank. <laughs> this IPA is packed with the choicest sticky hop nuggets from our favorite growers. And I'm like, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> I know, dude, that's so lit to me. The it's can, awesome. The can definitely has a bit of a, um, like a Los Angeles vibe to it. With I was pink. actually just thinking that it feels and like the palm a, trees. Yeah. It feels like a, 
like a Cali skate vibe. It does. Definitely. Even though it's got like the sycamore, like the sycamore with the leaf kind of looks Canadian, you know? Yeah. But then like the background with the pink and this is pink, right? I'm very colorblind. Yeah. So okay. it has, um, has like kind of a, the sycamore is written in like that old school, like uh varsity text. Yeah. You know definitely. what I'm talking about with the swoosh along the bottom. Yeah. But then it's in front of a maple leaf. And then the can, it's like um, the leaf is cream and then the sycamore is in like a real bright pink. And then the can is really cool. It has this like, it's like a uh, like a tan-ish kind of off-white colored can. Yeah. And then the label is like a stick-on. And it's like really kind of like a deep blue at the bottom and it fades to the top and to like a teal. And then at the very top, it's like a really light teal with like a kind of a... Um, kind of like a tan along the top. Yeah, yeah I was just looking bottom? at Jake, and Jake yeah. was looking at the bottom. So every run of their cans gets named a different name. Oh, okay. So like on the bottom of this run, it says Dare Alumni. Oh, mine says Crush the Cush. Yeah. So these cool. two cans are from two different runs because like cool. I've been buying Tropical Cush. Like I recently you've been, you've been crushing this stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, and I'll tell a story here in a second about Sycamore, which is kind of a cool story. Um, but yeah, this beer slaps everything I've drank from them. is just absolutely dope. And um, I mean, it's sport in 7%. Yeah. Like, and and it doesn't so, taste 7%. Uh-uh. Usually no. the higher percentage you get with IPAs, you get like uh, kind of stickier and sweeter. And you, you get that aftertaste. Yeah, yeah. You can taste it. It's kind of boozy. This is kind of a little bit dry. Like there's a little bit of dryness there. And it's, um, you definitely get like uh, the dank part that they were talking about for oh, sure. Oh, absolutely. You yeah. get that super stinky hop jam going on. Yeah. I, I've had, I've had, I've had stinkier and sticky ickier. Yeah. But uh, this is definitely like, usually when you go that far down the like, this beer is weed route, yeah. it can get pretty gross. Um, yeah. This is not that at all. This no. is 100% drinkable and great. Yeah, like I find it, it's not quite like squeezed orange juicy. Oh, um, not at all, no. But, and it's not like ultra hazy either. Like I would call it semi-translucent. You, I mean, you can't see through it for sure. It's non-see-through, but it's not like, they have another beer called Juiciness, which is like their affordable IPA, which yeah. it also slaps. And but it looks like straight up orange juice. Like this is this is like uh like a tang thickness and color. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. But like when you drink it, it's just like it's not like I'm getting any one overly uh forward flavor out of it. Yeah. It's just real easy and drinkable, but it definitely yeah. has that stank to it. I appreciate the lack of sweetness. Like a lot of yeah. IPAs are going down this weird path of like being too sweet nowadays. Yeah. Especially with the milkshake IPA and the hazy stuff. I like milkshakes, but you're right. They have this element of like you get one or two sweet and, yeah. to them. Yeah. And this does much. not have that. Like yeah. I could drink an entire four pack of this, be yeah. crushed. Like I would be dominated. When I um, uh, when I first moved to Raleigh from Los Angeles, uh, the the brute IPA movement was blowing up in Los I Angeles. I hated that, and it was I like the champagne IPAs. Yeah, and it's like it's just basically PBR. You know, it's like come on. Yeah, I was not into it. Yeah, people were like, oh yeah, these brute IPAs, they're good, and I'm like, nah, they're trash. Yeah, and it was just a reaction against the milkshake IPAs, essentially. Yeah. You know, but it uh, and, and then and then we got a ton of the session IPAs out of it. So like, I didn't like uh, those either. It was like 
Yeah. It was like low on flavor, high on booze. Three bre- oh, a lot of them are like three to four percent alcohol. They just tasted boozy. Yeah. And there's and just I not didn't much like there. That. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, like it didn't have the it didn't have the stank to back it up to like yeah, you agree. know what I mean? Yeah. I mean if I if I was gonna drink something that was like four four or five percent, I would just have like a Kolsch or something like yeah. light or normal. You know, it's it's yeah. When I but, go to an IPA, I want something like very heavy body, like something that is like in your face. Yeah. Because I'm probably only going to have one or two tops because I'm there for the taste, you know? Oh, see, I'm the total opposite. Like I could drink <laughs> IPAs all day, every day, yeah. which I actually do. I drink IPAs not all day, every day, but I crush IPAs. Well, I, I remember at 8 a.m. you were texting me the the pictures of the ones you were drinking this morning. So it's... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to say, dude. I, <laughs> I love IPAs. Like when most people are like, oh, yeah, I'm going to drink a beer. I'm like, yeah, I am. <laughs> it's going to be 8% <laughs> too. <laughs> but no, like uh, no, all of this year yeah i've just been dominating ipas all year long and sycamore has been a staple for me i've been drinking them all year i've been crushing yeah. tropical kushes and especially that beer juiciness which i'll yeah, have to bring yeah. on here and talk about one time um <clears throat> you were you were doing those early in the summer i was uh i was riding the uh the voodoo ranger ipas very heavily yeah uh, i think you're telling me about that because- i was riding the um the Sierra Nevada uh, hazy little things a lot. Oh, those were good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've always been a fan of the torpedo. Like I've always liked that. It's it's a very heavy. Torpedo is one of those ones that was a little bit too sticky yeah. icky for me. Yeah, it yeah. Had yeah. that like kind of kind of earth to it that I was like, eh. I liked keeping like a six pack of torpedo in the fridge because that was my like last beer of the night beer. Okay. You know, like I always like if I'm having a couple of beers, watching TV or whatever, I always like to finish the night off with like a little bit of a heavier one. Um, and it used to be for a long time, I would keep around like Imperial Stouts. Oh, dang. And that'd be my last one. Um, but as a good friend of mine called them, the, the I'm a big fan of the ro- Rohypnol level Stouts <laughs> where they're like 13, 14% like the big boys. And, and that's not a good end of the night beer at all, you know, because yeah. that turns into trouble getting up the staircase sometimes yeah you know, so. see i'd rather start out with like like a typical beer drinking night for me would be like i start out with like a tropical kush sure and i'll drink like yeah. maybe two of these yeah and then i'll switch to juiciness okay. and i'll just finish out the night on those okay and so i like to maintain this like between eight and six percent and just what's kind of juiciness fl- uh i Do think you know it's six and some change okay I'll have to look. I'll give you guys a definitive answer on that another time when we talk about juiciness because it has, if I had to absolutely name my number one beer of the year, it's juiciness. Obviously. I mean, you've been you've been sucking that stuff down endlessly. I mean, I can't tell you, dude. Like, I have never found another IPA that is as good, as drinkable, and as inexpensive as juiciness is. Well, and it's funny because, like, juiciness is like, so Sycamore is not like... This isn't like a brand you're gonna find in the gas station down the street. Like nah. and you're not gonna find this at at the you know the Harris Teeter or the food line. Oh, you will. You'll oh, find it. oh yeah. Oh, I haven't seen it at the They've one. They've got full house. distribution on it. At least oh, locally. I haven't seen it in my Yeah. House. So like what's crazy is I've been looking. Um you can get it certain places, right? So you, I mean, of course you can get it at the brewery. And of course you can get it at bottle shops, but you're gonna to have to be ready yeah, to pay of course. the ass for at the a couple bucks shop. a can, you know. Yeah. But What's great about uh, at least the Southeast is um, so Harris Teeter is based here in Charlotte or not here, but they're based in Charlotte. Yeah. And. um, Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 And so Harris Teeter has picked up a lot 
of okay. juiciness and or a lot of sycamore. Air Studer has a great selection. Yeah, they yeah. do. They really have the best beer selection of all the like normal grocery stores. Yeah, Wegmans I mean? is pretty pretty good. Wegmans still hasn't picked up locals. Uh, the, the new one has. Have you been to the Wegmans in North North? The new one they built up in North Hills or wherever that is. Yeah. Yeah, they they when I went I there, think like they picked up that many like small. I don't know, they, not in the cooler, but in the like shelves, they had some decent local. See, I want stuff. them cold, Doug. If I, I want to go, home well, and yeah, drink obviously, them. yeah. So I, you know, that's probably one thing I don't do is yeah. when I do go in the grocery store, I'm looking at the cold stuff. Yeah, because when I'm buying beer, I'm ready to go home and start sure, crushing. Course. Yeah, and, so, yeah. So the the Wegmans that I went to, that's the only place I've seen Sycamore uh, around here. I'm sure they probably have it at the Harris Theater by my house. Yeah, but the 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 Wegmans there, right next door, is where we went to hang out at the Clouds Brewing. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Because the reason we went there is because they have a playground for the kids, <laughs> and my daughter could go and hang out and play with the with the toys and stuff. There's another brewery in North Raleigh that has a playground. Is there? Or, you know, I actually don't think they have a playground. I just think that uh, like 9 million families go there. Oh, okay. I hate this place too. Which one is it? I don't even remember the name of okay. it. And I'm not about to bash a brewery. That's sure. not my They're style. trying their best. They're yeah. just doing what they can. No, I mean, so, well, the area that they're located, I mean, they are dead in the center of like 9 million neighborhoods, Oh, which okay. is weird. Um, and it's like, it's somewhere up in North Raleigh. It's like right in the middle of a bunch of weird neighborhoods. Yeah. And, shit like that. and I mean, people just like, go there with their children. And okay, like when fair. I go to breweries, I'm not trying to hang out with kids. No offense to anybody with kids. No, I, get I don't have kids. I have kids. I'm I not get into that. <laughs> I just like am one of those people where I'm like, I do not want to go out to a restaurant or a bar or the brewery and yeah. hang out with my lady and my dog and be drinking some fancy yeah. ass beer that I just played $9 a beer for sure. and listen to some kids screaming, <laughs> you know, or have them it's run true. over to it's me and doggy and like, you know, bum rush my dog. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm just, I'm not into that. And so we went to this particular place. There's like a million families there. There's like children running around screaming everywhere. And I turn around and I'm like, this is my nightmare. <laughs> like, when can we leave? <laughs> See, that's why, that's why pharmacy bottle shop in downtown Cary is like our jam. There's no place. way to get children in that place. Well, it's see, too so small. Exactly. And so like, so my wife and I like to go there and we, you and I have hung out there. We've, we've hung out there with everybody. It's a great chill spot. The backyard, the back area place is the best. There's like three picnic tables that are cool. Yeah. Like I can bring, I can bring my daughter and my dogs there and sit yeah. there and you know, she can, I can put on Elmo and she watches Elmo and, or hangs out with her, like does her puzzles and chills. And then I can sit there and have a couple beers. My wife can have a couple drinks and we just hang out and it's great. Yeah. You know, and there's a good atmosphere. Like there's not very far to walk. If you want to grab some food or something like there's yeah. Chinese food right across Taipei the street. 101. There's a, yeah. There's a bar yeah. right down the street. You can get some bar food. There's like, there's a, uh, a little C's right down the road. You can little C's. Yeah. Little Caesars. Oh, little C's. Oh man. I oh man. I used, Cause I used to walk, I used to work over there. Like, really? Right, yeah. So I used to be a warehouse. I didn't man. even know they were still in business. Yeah. I yeah. thought all the little Caesars went bankrupt. Well, like no, 10 I years didn't ago. work at little Caesars. I worked at Sprint. And I were I was their warehouse manager. Oh, okay. And gotcha. the and the like central North right Carolina there. warehouse okay. was like right down the street. So like when I wanted pizza real bad, I just drove sure. to Little Caesars. Do they did don't they do the thing where yeah, it's like five bucks. You take a pizza with you. Yeah. You okay. Oh yeah. yeah it's I like guess I can give cheese that. or pep. Okay. And I'd run over there yeah. and I'd grab like. And it's always hot. Always ready. It's, it's hot and ready. Sure. Yeah. That's what they call them. 
Hot and ready, really? Hot and okay. ready, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they, yeah, little $5 Caesars, hot yeah. and ready pizzas, yeah. So I just like roll cool. over the little C's over there, grab some like $5 hot and ready. Sure, yeah. You stop by the pharmacy, go. grab some beer, go back to the warehouse. It cool. goes dope. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, it's, it's, I didn't even know they were still in business. That yeah. makes sense. That's awesome. No, little C's is definitely there. Like, I remember being a kid and thinking like Little Caesars was like, the this like mythical pizza place that um we never <laughs> that that like the only thing that they had was those like you know the like 20 by by 17 inch it's pizza. square right like yeah the big that square giant pizzas, like square yeah. pizza and like i always like remembered like seeing commercials for that on the tv but like my parents always wanted to get like uh pizza hut or domino's pizza and, like, hut, i dude. love pizza hut like pizza hut's got a special place in my heart you like pizza like yeah. the grease mattress yeah pizza hut? pan okay. pizza Oh, absolutely. Sure. All day long. Give it to me. I love it. Can't do it. (laughs) But Papa John's is okay. No, Papa Papa John's is trash. Really? Is it too dry? Is that what it is? There's not enough grease? No. So I I know why I hate Papa John's is because it's one time I was at the beach with my family and we were there with like a bunch of other families. And for whatever reason, they were like, let's get, people were like, let's get pizza. And I was like, sick. Are we going to get some fucking like, <laughs> let's get some pizza hut. At and you got very, corn swaggled. At the very least Domino's. And they were like, nah, man, we want Papa John's. And that, and I was like, nah, dude, that stuff sucks. And they were like, nah, we're going to get that. And we're going to get the wood fired pizza. Because at the time they were doing this. There was like, like a local. Yeah. Wood. I don't know. They were doing this like wood fired pizza thing at Papa John's. And I was oh, like, okay. And I was like, nah, dude, I don't want that. I heard that doesn't that. sound yeah. good. And they were like sucks to suck we're gonna get it anyway <laughs> <laughs> and i was like i mean so they're like what time does you want and i was like i don't even like i don't even remember what i said but anyway so this pizza came and it's um i have this opinion about pizza that basically pizza is like sex even when it's it's bad it's still pizza sure and yeah. um unless it's a little caesar <laughs> no i the little caesar's <laughs> is better than this shit and um so this like wood-fired papa john's pizza got delivered to this like beach place that we were saying that we were staying in and this was in Wellington? Uh, no i have no idea where it was I can't remember now. Oh, some beach city. Somewhere. Yeah, okay. just some beach city somewhere. Yeah. You were too high. No, <laughs> no recollection. <laughs> no, I was too young to be high. Oh, I okay. You were a kid. I was, gotcha. yeah, okay. I was like a kid. I might have been like middle school or like early high school. Okay, fair. And um, so anyways, this fucking like wood-fired Papa John's pizza comes. And if I had to tell you that this was the gummiest, softest, oh. soggiest crust that I've never heard of wood-fired like, Papa John's. I didn't know yeah, it was a thing. I don't I don't think it stayed a thing long because I this couldn't was have. like that sounds the, horrible. This crust was the gummiest, soggiest, most disgusting. Oh. Was it flat like, like a like a square like a flat square pizza? Like no, it was like straight up a normal round pizza. Oh. It's just the crust was all soggy and gummy and, it and screwed and it weird. Up. And it tasted like it had like that liquid smoke, like fake smoke flavor oh, in it. So it was like so weirdly just like, sweet, fake wood fire smoke flavor. They McDonald's in it. up, a and pizza then it was all and gummy like, and soft and disgusting. Ah, and you bite into it, and it just, and you bite into it, and like the the it was it was just like biting into wet white bread that tasted like Ugh. fake pizza crust and Ugh. like fake wood fire taste. It's horrible. And then it had. Like not Who signed enough. off on that? Yeah, I don't know, but it was horrible. And so basically, somebody had to try that. I don't point. know. Well, it from, probably in the factory, it probably tasted fine. Like they probably yeah. had like yeah, like I guess. So I don't know. I don't know if they just fucked it up or Gross. whatever. But ever since then, I've just been like, I'm sorry, but I can't do it. And when I, I bite, it. yeah, when I bite into Papa John's, it tastes like that gross ass soggy, yeah, like gross pizza crust. And I'm like, I can never eat it again. When I was a kid, I went to Checkers and they gave me like a raw burger. 
I was uh, like I was like six or seven. It was just like a raw burger, and I was just like, uh, I haven't gone to a Checkers or a Rally since. Like, yeah, couldn't do it. When I was at NC State, I played um, I played sports at NC State in college, yeah. and so like, <clears throat> there's like a handful of like dining halls there that you would eat in the like, Wolfpack. Is that the Wolfpack? N- what NC State? Yeah, yeah, Wolfpack. Yeah. Go. Go pack. Um, <laughs> go pack. Um, no, um, but no, what's funny from my new house, I live near enough to where um, NC State plays football. Yeah. That when they play football, I don't even, I'll, all I have to do is open my windows and I can hear the announcement. It's still pretty close. It's not that far. It's like, no, I, I, that's what I'm saying. It is yeah. close. Oh, that yeah. I can listen, oh, now, now, I listen yeah. to the football games and that's I awesome. can just, yeah. I just open my windows. I can hear the announcer talking and stuff. It's <laughs> awesome. But, um, yeah, so when I was in the dining hall one time, I got like a chicken sandwich or chicken tenders or something that bit into them. They were completely raw. Oh, like edge to edge raw. Gross. Yeah, it was horrible. But then after that, I, I was like, because I talked to somebody about it and they were like, they were like, don't you fucking play sports here? And I'm like, yeah. They're <laughs> like, why are you eating in this dining hall? And I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, there's a special dining hall for sports. For like, Is it really? Yeah. There's a special How did dining- you not, did, you didn't get a memo? That, no. Wow. I didn't get a memo. Trying to keep you out. So anyway, I mean, I was a freshman, like, and this was not oh, very okay. long into school. Sure. And they were like, you can. What sport were you playing? Ice hockey. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, I know. It's, it's like as soon as I say that, you're like, wait, what? Yeah. You're, okay. playing, you're playing ice hockey at a football school? Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. They didn't tell us that we could do that. But anyways, I went. I feel talk- like it's why you got the short end of that. Yeah. yeah. But I went and talked to the dining people and I was like so what's up so i play hockey here like what's the deal can i eat in the like fancy pants athletic dining hall and they were like yeah right fuck it cool and they had the best everything food in here yeah like if you went in there for dinner it would be like steak and whoa just protein yeah did they have protein drinks could you get like a protein drink I, i don't know not that i can remember no okay I was wondering I if they had like supplements. Like a fridge of muscle of muscle milk somewhere Did that they? I could probably yeah. take, sure. and I just yeah. never knew. Yeah, it's like um, I uh, when I was in college, uh, one of my side gig. I I always had a million side gigs when I was in college because I wanted to make a ton of money, and one of my side gigs was working at the gym, and I remember I always had to like go in and like go through like where the athletes would like get their um like rehab and stuff. Yeah, and there was like a whole little section where like the 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 athletes that were in rehab would get like special treatment because they had to get like their ankles wrapped and like yeah they would go to these special fridges and there was like special food for them like and it was always funny to me because like they only got the special treatment when they got injured so like they uh, got the special drinks when they were hurt uh, but up until okay. that point they were just like go eat at the regular i mean this was a really tiny school you know yeah. they were just like go eat at the regular like place and eat your you know tuna sandwiches or whatever but i got i got the worst case of food poisoning in my life from that college uh from that college uh dining hall i don't know what it was but like i went through a thing i was like i was not cutting weight but i was just like eating really carefully and like trying not to gain weight and i was like eating salads every day and yeah, I could never do that. I was playing hockey too much. I was lifting all the time. And, and I, was, I, was, I was just dominating. Food. I was a 130 pound kid who like didn't care. And like, I was just, I was literally eating like big romaine lettuce salads every day. And uh, I remember one day I was like, you know what? I'm going to put salad dressing on my salad. And like, it was like a special treat. Yeah. And I, and I put, uh, I think it was ranch and I put ranch on my, dr- on my salad and like 
seven. This was this was the night before we were supposed to drive to Florida for spring break. I Oof. grew up in Florida, so we were driving to my folks' house in Florida. I can tell this is already going to go bad. Yeah, so like I start feeling kind of wonky, and we get in the car, and I'm going to my girlfriend's house, and we get to her house, and like my stomach just turns upside down. And this is the first time ever meeting her parents. Like first time I've ever been to her house. Yeah. And I'm like, Hey everybody. And then I had to lock myself into a bathroom and just like expel my internal combustion engine uh, into the toilet for like 45 minutes. It was oh my horrible. God. Have I told the story on the, this podcast at the time that I was playing hockey in college and hockey in Canada? And I don't think so. Oh man. I'll have to tell it at one point. Um, it's way off topic. We'll oh. be going way off topic. But um, yeah, no, I never got food poisoning from the dining halls. But one of the things that um, I did do was, so I don't know if your dining halls were this way, but ours were all you could eat. Yeah, same. Yeah, you pay like five bucks to get in and then you eat out all you Well, it's part of the whatever you pay to live there. Oh, like see, you had ours card. wasn't included. You had to like put money on a dining ours card. Ours was just a card. And then you just had to like swipe your card and it would did essentially you charge five bucks. Yeah. I oh. lived in a dorm for two months and then I moved oh. into um, a fraternity house for fraternity. Oh, I was in I a dorm and it. it was just all part of it. But I helped found a fraternity. So then I was like, I was like, oh, can I get the fuck out of this terrible dorm with my shitty roommate? And they're like, Fair. yep. And so basically the fraternity was like, well, we just found it and they assigned us a house, but we don't know how to get our rooms assigned over. Will you figure that out? <laughs> you can be the first person to move in. And I was like, well, you fucking got it, dog. <laughs> so I and went that's how you to- became the janitor. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have so many ridiculous stories from like the fraternity house in college and shit. I'll have to tell them at some point. But um, I mean, I found it a fraternity. Of course, those awesome. stories are ridiculous. But um, God, there's so many. Um but now, so like I went over to housing and I figured all that shit out and then I moved out of the dorm. I was like, later, bitches. And I went and lived in a fraternity house. I lived alone in a fraternity house of 45 people Whoa. for a month. That's crazy. Yeah. And then the second person who moved in was one of my best friends and we were roommates. Wait, so when I moved to this college, <laughs> when I moved to this college, this it's it's called uh, it's uh, Centenary College in Hackettstown, New Jersey. I love the I love the people that teach there. I love the the administration. It's a great college. Yeah, it was like two hundred and fifty people, something like that. And I lived in Smith Hall, which my my I guess my maiden name, my original name before I got married was Smith. I took my wife's name when I got married. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So my my name was Smith before I got married. I took my wife's name, which is Desjardins. That's I went the misogynistic route, and she went, took my name. You went the op- you went you went the normal route, normie. <laughs> you, you, no, yeah, yeah, I am a normie. But yeah, so anyway, so like I went, I went to this college. It was Smith Hall, and like at the time, I was a Smith, and I was like so connected to it, and I thought it was so cool. Yeah. But uh, the the hall, no one had lived in the dorm for something like eighteen years beforehand, and so when I moved there, I was I was a little older, and I was an RA. Like I started as an RA. And we moved into these dorms and there was only 18 rooms and all 18 of us were RAs in training to move later into these other places. Okay. And this place, we literally had to peel boards off of the doors to be able to open our rooms and get in. Oh, and wow. there was like, we would open the rooms and there were like, like beds that were from the 1950s with plastic mats, like mattresses on them. And they were just like, there you go. You're what? good. Yeah. It was creepy as hell. Oh, my God. And the third floor was completely locked down. 
because somebody was murdered up there. What? Yeah, like in the in like 30s or something. And nobody had been up there since. This, we this need was, to research who that was and like it was a woman named Tilly. She's buried. Oh shit, you already know. I know about everything this. about it. Yeah. Oh, I'm so I live invested there. I live in this there. now. So when you would take a bath or like get out and like look in the mirror, like Tilly would come up behind you. Like oh God. It was the creepiest thing ever. And so anyway, so it was just and like that's why only you stand in the mirror and say Tilly three times. Yeah. And oh, you were shit. dead. Yeah. And so like this was this this dorm. That's why the dorm was only RAs because nobody else was allowed in there. You know, oh, wow. and so right. like, yeah, so it was super creepy. And like, w- I was the first one to show up, and it was really the first time I had ever like gone away to college or like lived away or anything. I had lived on my own, like had stuff, but I'd never like moved far away from anyone. Okay, and I was like a thousand miles from anyone I knew. I showed up in my car with like a backpack and nothing else, and I walked in this dorm, and there was no one to greet me. I knew my room was number seven yeah. and I just like, I had to peel planks off the door to get inside of it. And there was like no sheets, nothing. I didn't know what to do. And it was the creepiest moment of my, it was horrible. Wow. And this is like pre-internet. Like, so I didn't have like a smartphone or anything. Yeah. So like, I'm just you like, like, go like look up the house. I couldn't do anything. Like, there was oh nothing. This is 1997. Like, you know, I'm walking this room and now like, I, uh, I automatically know why nobody was offended by like the, by living in the murder dorm. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So like I had a book and I think I was reading like a Dean Koontz book at the time or something. Awesome. And so I just like laid on this bed with no sheets and like read this horror <laughs> novel. And, yeah, it was hor- and I lived there for like three days before the next person showed up and by the time they showed up i was already like jack nicholson in the snow drift like dying before they showed up like i'd already had the whole didn't have sheets for three days no i ended up going and buying some but but, like it's a small town in the middle of nowhere you know so it was creepy as hell but yeah so that's my college experience okay i was trying there's okay so there's one other thing (laughs) i wanted to say about the dining hall so oh, the one, yeah. so the one thing that we would do, <laughs> and this was like so against the rules, we'd do it anyway. Um, is uh, so since our dining halls were all you could eat, one of the things that we would do, and I forget what we called them, we came up with a name for it, but essentially what we would do is we would take like a bunch of burgers and a bunch of grilled cheeses and like put them in a big stack, and with then with buns and bread and stuff. Yeah, 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 okay, like with buns and bread and everything, and we would just stick like a knife through them. Like a loaf. Yeah. Like it was a stack of burgers and grilled cheeses. Okay. And we'd stick a knife through them and then we would just like sneak out with it. Was there like some sort of like secure, was somebody like checking if you left with the stuff? No, I think there was supposed to be, but there never was. So every time I'd go eat and then like not every time, but like if it was like the last time during the day that I was on campus and I was about to go back to the fraternity house, which was like a long enough walk away. Yeah. Cause like the fraternity house was on campus. Okay. But it was on a weird segregated part of campus where like the closest dining hall was the shittiest dining hall. At sure. State, and it was still <laughs> yeah. like a 15 or 20 minute walk. Okay. And so I was like, all right, well, so you had your burger knife matrix to bring with you on, yes. the, on the walk back. I had my stack of burgers and <laughs> grilled cheeses uh, that I shoved a knife through. And then I would just like go sit on the bus riding back to the house, like holding this like giant <laughs> stack of burgers and grilled cheeses. How big was like this, this knife? Like, was it just a regular? I like, mean, it was like a normal knife like this, okay. but like each of us would have one. So oh, okay. So, like, so you're walking out with like a dozen plus burgers. Yeah. I mean, cause I could fit. Were these like, just laid out and you could just grab them? 
Yeah. Or did they make them for yeah. you? No. Oh, okay. I would just okay. like go by and like take like five grilled cheeses okay. and like four burgers. So in my like, school, the way it was like you would have to request one and they would make it for you. Oh, no, man. There yeah. was just like a plate there with like a stack of grilled cheeses, a oh, stack okay. of burgers. So, yeah. And like, and, and they had other so was shit too. There's like pizza. This was their fault. Kind of yeah. yeah. And I was just like, and I would just like have a plate with like four burgers and like six grilled cheeses on it. And the person would look at me and I'd look at them and I, <laughs> and we just, just kind of like, but not eating say stuff. anything. Yeah. I was eating it. Yeah, of course. So like, it, it's kind of shitty that they would like, it wasn't going to waste. Right. Just, like, I didn't want to go all the way back to campus for dinner. Yeah. They're supposed to like whatever. stop you from taking that stuff out. It's yeah. like silly. Yeah. So anyway, I was just, could you imagine like me sitting on a bus, like, <laughs> like I'm holding a knife on this end, but two fingers and a knife on the other and with two fingers and in between my four fingers yeah. is a, is a knife that's like suspending like four burgers and six grilled cheeses. See, and like, you say that, but what I'm picturing in my head is you sitting on a bus with a pike <laughs> and there's 30 burgers <laughs> stacked up on the pike. To the top, and you're just on the bus with the pike on your hand, and you're just like <laughs> looking at people like, "Yeah, suck a dick. I got some burgers." And you're just like, and then you get to your stop, and you you angle your pike to get out the door, and then you walk up, and then you get up into the into the frat house, and you're like, "The burgers have arrived," and you drop the pike with your hundred burgers. And my 300 fraternity <laughs> brothers show up and they're like, the burgers have arrived. <laughs> and they scramble over each other to grab at the burgers. Oh my God. If I had a pike, I would have done it. Of course. I mean, why wouldn't you? It'd be, I need it'd be negligent to, burgers. to not. Yeah. Yeah. No, I did all kind of weird shit. College was weird. College I, was a weird I would take like one thing that I did that was like people always thought was genius is I'd take, uh, they, they had soft serve at ours. Okay. And yeah. I would just like take one of those shitty plastic cups, like, you know, like they would have it like CC's or something. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I would like fill it f- I'm, like halfway full of like soft serve and then the rest of the way full with like Fanta, like <laughs> orange Fanta. And then I'd swirl it like all up and they'd be like, what'd you do? I'm like, I made an orange cream float. And they're like, that's genius. And I never doing thought it. about yeah. that. And then everybody yeah. was like making floats and stuff. It was, like, it was just ridiculous because the food in the food halls in college is just. It's not good. Yeah. No, it's garbage. It's garbage. It's just, it's crazy to me. Like, so on the west side of campus next to Lee Hall, which is where I lived, there was this really horrible food hall called Fountain. And it's the worst. It was the worst food food hall. Why was it bad on campus? The food was just, I don't know. It was just, I ate at, there was only three food halls on state's campus, which is crazy because there's 55,000 people on campus every day. And or forty five thousand people on campus every. I wonder how many are commuters. That's that's such um, a big number. So it was something like thirty thousand undergrads, ten or fifteen thousand grads, and another five thousand staff and teachers. Wow. Okay. And huge. Uh, yeah, a lot of people. And this is and this is like a ten ten block. Yeah. Area essentially. It's I've only been there once. I, yeah, I went to a huge area. Yeah. I went to see Margaret Atwood speak there once. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. But like when I was there, there was four, des- three designated dining halls. Then there was like this weird food court thing. Okay. By the library. Well, yeah. Now they have Taco Bells and stuff spread all throughout campus. Yeah. And they had another like weird. Uh, it wasn't a, a food hall. It, was, it wasn't like a dining hall. It was like a food court. So okay. there's two food courts. And three dining halls. And um, yeah, it was just weird. The food is just so bad. And Fountain had horrible food. Like it was really terrible. 
but right in the middle of campus, like kind of uh, next to the gym is where the nice dining hall was. Okay. And if like you walked into fountain and just re- looked around at all the food that they had and then walked out and immediately teleported to the mid campus, <laughs> the mid campus yeah. one, the athletic dining hall and you walked around there 100% food was completely different. So it's just the quality of food. Absolutely. Yeah. Like the Absolutely. offerings or the qual like quality quality. Well, okay. Cause it was like, if you went into fountain, it was like a government pizza. And then oh, if you okay. went into the athletic dining hall, like it was pizza. like, Really nice pizza. Okay. Like Little C's. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> sure. It was just yeah. like Little C's. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> no, I get it. I, I've never gone to schools that big, so I don't really know. Like, yeah. I, w- I went to I went to Centenary College and then I went to Florida Atlantic University in, in yeah. South Florida. And no. it was even though it's twenty six thousand students, like twenty thousand of the students are commuters. So there's like very small amount of people that live on campus. Yeah. Like I don't even know how many um, how many people actually live on campus? There's like it's got to be a lot. There's like twenty uh dorms. Oh yeah, I mean I, I've now nowadays now I drive through and I there's like coffee shops and all kinds of stuff. Like yeah, we went to that New York pizza place. Yeah, I love where you guys. Yeah, place. we went. Yeah, over, when like, I was in college. Did you end up going there? Yeah, yeah, my wife and I went over there. And we we got a couple. We got a bunch of big slices and stuff for nice. for us and the kid. Yeah, it was great. It's amazing. Yeah, that place and, was. Um, it was like a Sunday afternoon. It was packed. Like the whole place was full. You know, it was crazy. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, um, I feel like it's weird that as a podcast that's like going out on the internet, we talk about all this stuff that's like local to Raleigh. Yeah, whatever. They'll figure um, it out. Yeah. They you can come to Raleigh or ignore it. I mean, yeah. worst <laughs> case, you guys will ever come here. You might know what we're talking about. But yeah. And if you ever come here, just hit us up and we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll give you a full tour. I'll take you somewhere cool. Yeah. You know, whatever. Yeah. Hit me, hit us I mean, up. I've only been here for, well, I guess I've been here for two years now. So I've been here for 32 years. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, sorry. We got off on a mad tangent. Anyways, <laughs> this beer, as the name suggests, is dank. And it's uh, Kush. It is Kush. It is Kush. Um, and uh, you should try it. It's good. I love it. Yeah. I like the I like the LA vibe of the can. It reminds me of I don't yeah. know why, but the right when you handed me and we're drinking the same thing. Usually we drink different stuff, but we're yeah. doing the same thing right now. I have a bunch of these right now because I've been collecting them. Yeah. Oh, I meant to tell my story. We'll and tell I your story. Oh no. We'll tell your story in one second. <laughs> um, but yeah, this this can reminds me of Nipsey Hustle. That's what this can makes me think of. So all right. So I'm super into that. So. But do you want to tell the sycamore story real quick? Like, oh yeah, it's a little more applicable if I tell it when I talk about juiciness. But actually, let's do juiciness next one, and then we'll talk about the story. All right, all right, y'all remind me to talk about my juiciness story yeah. next time. All I'll right. remind you. I'll remind you. All right. So, as you've probably already seen, even though we're what ninety minutes into this, um, <laughs> we'll uh, we're, we're forty minutes in. We'll, we'll um, as you've already clicked. <laughs> our bad. <laughs> yeah, our bad. We and we do this. As you've already seen, uh, if you saw the uh, description, uh, what we're talking about is the birds aren't real movement. And, uh, you know, this has been a thing that's spread across social media and it's been all over the place. And you've already seen there's a merchandise powerhouse that's pushing this stuff out. And there's a uh, entire group of people who have been doing interviews on everywhere from CNN to MSNBC. Yeah that have been talking about uh, why birds aren't real. And they aren't real. Like, Right. Can't tell if you're messing with me. 
They aren't real. I don't know. So <laughs> let's, I mean, let's look into what they're saying because it's one of the interesting things is they, um, the people behind the movement are going on to uh, new, like very mainstream news shows and they're talking very straight faced yeah. and, and having this conversation. They're extremely serious about their conspiracy. They are. And um and they've been going on podcasts and all that stuff and so you know maybe we'll uh we'll grab somebody and have them on the podcast one day, but we wanted to kind of break down where where the idea of the movement came from and what led up to all of this. So, um the the whole birds aren't real movement uh it, it basically claims that the U.S. government genocided every bird in the country from 1959 to 2001, or at least they attempted to, and and they got pretty yeah. far down the road by releasing... No, they, yeah, they got them all. Yeah, they got them, yeah, like Pokemon. They captured every single one of gotta them. Gotta catch them all. Uh, and Birds they did it, real. <laughs> they did it through <laughs> releasing this uh, very deadly avian virus that essentially... Through like chemtrails, right? They dropped it from planes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. going to be, we're, we're, we're going to touch on that. And it's, uh, it's the claims are that basically this virus works in a way that um, the flesh eating virus works in, in humans where it just kind of eats the birds up and leaves them dead and gone. Yeah. Um, and the movement says the, uh, the birds have been fully replaced with surveillance drone replicas that watch every movement of day-to-day Americans. And yep. in their estimate, the government killed more than 12 billion birds and replaced them with robotic replicas. Um, if you look at the stats of, you know, if you just Google how many birds are there in America, you get numbers ranging from uh, 12 billion to 400 billion. So I think any 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 kind of thing any kind of undertaking that tries to get rid of all the birds, you're going to leave some here and there just. Yeah. Well, I mean, out of reality. Yeah. Well, I mean, plus, you know, birds migrate and shit like that. So like, you know, we have Canadian geese, they couldn't fuck with the Canadian geese. So they had to leave them alone. They're on the move. Yeah. Right. And then people like, definitely people have questioned like the idea of like, well, with migrating birds aside from like Canadian geese and protected species and stuff like that, it's like, how do you prevent the birds from either leaving the United States or new birds coming in from the United right. States from like either Canada or Mexico or like they have clemency? Like as yeah. soon as they cross the Canadian border, it's like, oh, I can't kill you. Yeah. You well, it. my understanding is like part of it is they put up this like part of it was like a, a like a sonar repelling system and part of it was like a laser defense sure. system yeah. that basically kept all of the non-American birds other than migratory <laughs> birds out of the United States yeah. by like yeah. preventing them from entering by like sonaring them to get them to go away or like laser defensing them to like keep them out. Man, yeah. American birds, man. Yeah. Well, because all they wanted to do is like survey the American populations. So right. they had yeah. to, we had to kill the American birds, but not kill the Mexican birds or the Canadian birds. Well, and that would be keep illegal. Mexican American birds out of here. Right. I just, I, I, Whenever I think about it, I hear the uh, Lenny Kravitz like American woman. Like I, I hear American birds, American birdies. Stay away from me. Yeah, that's that's what I'm hearing. No, that's Canada. Yeah, yeah. Stay in that. They don't want American birds. <laughs> <laughs> so, the uh, the birds are real movement started back in 1976. So this yep. goes back pretty far. 
Yeah. Uh, at least further than both of us were alive. Uh, they started with the hope of eliminating this entire bird genocide. So there were some whistleblowers back in the day. Military guys saw this going on. They fled. They went to the Birds Aren't Real movement. And they said, we got to stop this. This is very serious. And uh, But once, once they realized that uh, it had gone too far. Yeah, it was unstoppable. Uh, well, you, you know, once once the once the the it tips too far, you can't go too you know, can't go back. Yeah, and so you can't put the toothpaste back in the in the tube. And so they realized they had to go from movement of trying to stop the elimination of all the birds to uh, you know just making the population aware of what was going on. So, let's ask the first question: Why would they want surveillance birds? In the 50s. What's the purpose of this? Well, why wouldn't they want surveillance birds in the 50s? I mean, let's think about what's going on in the 50s, right? Right. Where we're just bare. Okay. So we, in the 50s, we're like what? Four years, maybe 10 years post World War II. Yeah. Uh, We're ending, we're just now starting to enter. Are we entering Cold War era yet? I mean, it's it's basically after after World War II, you're basically kind of in there. Yeah. So we're starting to get into that, like Vietnam, Cold right. War era. So who's the enemy? Who's the big enemy during all this? Well, the big enemies are, uh, con- well, the big enemy is communism. Fucking communists. And we know, yeah. well, not, maybe everybody doesn't know, but if you know anything about the 50s or through the 70s, you know about communism. Of course, yeah. And you know about like, you the know, the blacklist and the Hollywood blacklist and like right. all that kind of shit. And like the Cuban Missile Crisis, yep, uh, yep. all that stuff. Like, uh, you know, you're a little younger than me, but like when I was a kid in, uh, in South Florida in the early 80s, we would actually have like nuclear missile drills where we would hide under our desks and we'd be worried about this. And this was kind of it was like that episode of South Park where they were like, "If there's a nuclear missile, exactly, duck and cover." Exactly. I mean, hundred <laughs> percent, it's what it was. And this was like, you know, before the Challenger space shuttle blew up. Yeah, like we were hiding under desks, and I think it was in second grade or something when all this was happening. Yeah, get under your desk and kiss your ass goodbye because you're about to get vaporized. Right, and like they don't want to tell you that though. Right, exactly. But like my grandfather and my parents were like so scared of this happening. You know, we were in Fort Lauderdale. Cuba was pretty close and Fidel was down there with possibly missiles. So nobody knew what was going on. Could you imagine though, like being there in that time and like being your grandparents? Because like right now we're afraid of maybe getting sick of COVID and right. they were maybe afraid of getting bombed to death by Cuba from nuclear atomized, missiles. Atomized by I'm nuclear missiles. I'm afraid of getting missiles. vaporized by a nuclear yeah. weapon. Yeah. <laughs> and like, <laughs> like how terrifying. And how it was terrifying. a real fear. Like, you know, because other missiles had gone off. People had blown yeah. stuff up. You and know? I mean, so, yeah. And it wasn't you know, out of the realm. They knew Cuba had missiles. They knew Fidel well, the, Castro was a fucking psycho. Like, yeah. And he had Russian missiles and, and like, oh yeah, they were, they were, they were convinced James that Bond didn't get those ones. Exactly. He was in, uh, he was in the rock and, yeah. and Nicholas Cage hadn't gone and grabbed him yet, you know? So Sean Connor, I had exactly. Not quite uh, rest them. in peace. Yeah. I know. I'm also I'm sad Ale- as shit about that one. Alex Trebek, rest in peace. Yeah. My wife texted me earlier today. She was like, did you see talk to back to Biden? And I was like, yeah, it got sucked up by the whole like, uh, election news cycle. I, I, I saw it as I was working on my dad's IT stuff for him today. Yeah, it didn't even it didn't even trend on Twitter. Like there was too many. That's uh, ridiculous. Yeah, 
Well, he's been off TV for so many years that people have been like, eh, what it has been a while. Yeah. So <laughs> no, people loved him. He was great. So, I was just never a big Jeopardy guy. Oh, I was a big Jeopardy guy. I was, okay, I was my a wife's guy. a huge into Jeopardy. I was a Jeopardy nerd. Yeah. So anyways, communism yeah. is the, is the, the, the du jour uh, problem. Well, I mean, we're in 2012 now and communism still a du jour problem. We're in 2020, not 2012. So yeah, did I fuck up and you say twenty twelve? Oh yeah. shit! Well, I've had a bunch of these tropical crushes, so at this point, yeah, like, no, I don't it's all good. It's all good. I yeah, wish so it was we are in twenty yeah. uh, twelve. Is a really good time. <laughs> no, and and that's a thing is that communism is still something that uh, right wing people. I mean, so I, I, I am on the uh, left leaning of the spectrum, and I listen though to a lot of like right wing media. I listen to a lot of different things. And uh, one of the people I listen to is Mark Levin, who is on the kind of like right wing news channels, right? And um, or the radio channels. And he even today was screaming about Marxism, you know, Antifa is yeah. Marxism, Marxism, and he, and then he was saying Bolsheviks, and he's dropping Bolshevism, and Bolshevism is such an old idea, but it like ingrained so hard into the humans of America's brains that it's still a thing that people can be scared of. Yeah. You know, Bolshevism was such a scary, scary thing. I'm not even sure what that is. We're going to get into that. Oh, so shit. it's good. It's good. That right. you're, it's good that you're curious. I feel like the, I feel like the, uh, the government du jour right now that everybody in America is like freaking out about is socialism. Yes. Which directly, People say socialism, but what they actually mean is Bolshevism. And, and, it, and it really directly extends from how scared people were in the 1920s and the 1915s to the 1920s of how scared they were of Bolshevism. And it'll become clear why that is a big fear. But one of the big things is people are scared of an uprising. People are scared of the the country having a problem, you know? Right. And that's why you see in a lot of right-wing media and you see in a lot of people, and even in left-wing media, you see people scared of the rocking the boat phenomenon, you know? You see, like, oh, yeah. Antifa is rioting. That's a problem. They're rioting. But, right. like, it's protests, you know? There was rioting, There were, and, and that's a very obvious thing that was right. happening. Right, and there's a whole conspiracy around who started the riots and why right. did young black people just get pulled into it, and right. there was prominent uh, African-American figures condemning the writing and saying that's yeah. not what they're trying to do and you, we need to educate these young people to not do that shit. Yep. And they're basically, uh, you know, whoever's starting these riots is throwing them a bone and they're grabbing onto it without realizing what they're grabbing onto. They're yep. causing more problems than they're solving, you know, stuff like that. And, I mean, I know Americans are definitely very afraid of this idea of socialism because part of, or Bolshevism, which we haven't, learned exactly what that is. We'll yeah, I'm sure Jake will tell yeah. us. He's, he's way smarter than me, so I'm sure he'll tell us what <laughs> that is. And because um, like one of the things about America that I think we can all agree upon is like the idea of the American dream is you work hard, you get a job, you make money, you support your yeah. family on it, and you should keep as much of that money as you possibly yeah. can And who keep, can argue and with that? Yeah, and nobody can argue against that. Right. And I know that there's this like big movement going on right now where it's like you should give more of your money to the government to support whatever. And so many people are just against that idea because the government's basically the worst run business in the entire world. Well, yeah. So why would you ever trust the government to do anything, especially do stuff with your money? Yeah. I I mean, mean, and, and I agree with that, with that aspect, you know, and, and, 
if if Trump has shown us anything in the last four years, it's that the the government was like not running well, you know, and things weren't sure. working out the way they should have been. Yeah. And like as much as I agree that we need better health care. Yeah. At the same time, I'm like, I don't really know how we do that because yeah. if the government runs it, it's gonna be trash. Right. Unless the government reorganizes and does different things to to look at how it's run and blah 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 blah. Right, right. You know, so it's basically the question is do we trust the government to run our day-to-day organizations or no. do we trust big business to do that? And so that Yeah, go- see that's a hard answer because I don't trust either. Exactly. Yeah. And so so that goes back to like the eighteen hundreds. You know, people look at right. things like the the railroad companies and the railroad companies were you know what's what's the phrase like working for the working at the government store working for the government store working for the company store yeah where basically you're like or were you a company man yeah you're like you you're out working on railroads all day and you get paid in that railroad's money and so when you come home at the end of the day you can only buy the beer at the railroad store with your railroad dollars. And so it locks you into this horrible situation. Right. And of you course know? they're charging you like three times as much for exactly. the beer so they can get and their that's railroad a real money thing. back. Exactly. And that's a, that's a really real thing that happened. Yeah. You know, so, so it, it comes down to like, as Americans, what do we trust? What do we think about? Who is, who do we consider okay to run our system? And, Early in the 1900s, we decided that, you know, the government wasn't the best and we wanted, uh, you know, to be individuals and do it ourselves. And so what happened in uh, Russia was basically a precursor for what started some very serious problems in, in the USA. So Americans started freaking out about the Bolsheviks. So the Bolsheviks were a radical far left revolutionary Marxist faction founded by the super ultra boogeyman, Vladimir Lenin. Like, you know, the Simpsons, the guy that punches through, comes out of his grave, you know, dominates the earth. Vladimir Lenin was like the scary communist boogeyman of all time. So these Bolsheviks took power during the October October Revolution in Russia in the late in late 1917, overthrowing the provisional government of uh, Alexander Kerensky, and they became the only ruling power in the Soviet Union. They set themselves up, they set themselves up as leaders of the revolutionary proletariat, and Americans collectively shit their pants over this entire thing. At the time, it was widely believed that unions led to riots, riots led to civil unrest, and civil unrest led to Bolshevism, and Bolshevism led to complete chaos, and chaos led to the end of America. So that's just nuts. Right. So basically, people started seeing um, unionizing and collective organization, and they saw that as communism, Yeah, and they saw that as the end of America. Yeah. And so they reacted against it immediately. Uh, I mean, they should. Well, it's like the opposite of America. Right. So, so the question was, should people be organizing? Should they be unionizing? And then they, yeah, they saw it all as a slippery slope. It wasn't, Hey, I want to start, I want to start a union in my, in my auto working facility so that I can take Saturdays off. They saw it as I want to start a union at my auto work facility so that 
I can eat the blood of your children and rule your dreams. You know? Okay. Yeah. It was a slippery right. slope. Yeah, I and can see like, that. And during all this time, the newspapers were were reiterating that unions were evil and any kind of collective bargaining was evil. And what the, what was happening was capitalism was an idea that they had posited was the best and anything else they wanted to squash down. Right. So whether you agree with that or not, that was what was happening in the moment. Yeah. And I mean, there's... In real world terms, there's a gamut. There is. And we don't need to get into that, really. Well, we will. So <laughs> Okay. Well, all right. Because so, I have experience with unions. So. Yeah. So unions are, are like, there's good stuff with unions and bad stuff with unions. You know? uh, so, for sure. So Americans had it fairly good around that time, and no one wanted to rock the boat at all. So, But the boat was about to get rocked. So in Seattle, 35,000 shipyard workers went on strike and sent American papers around the country and talking heads into a complete panic. It was unlike anything anyone had seen before in that time frame, and the leaders of the strike started fighting with each other and eventually fell apart. But as a country, we got a really scary taste of what was happening in Russia at the time. So our 35,000 shipyard workers all said, F you guys, we want to get paid better. That eventually fell apart because there was infighting. But during that whole time frame, newspapers, media talking heads were all collectively crapping their pants about it, freaking out, saying, we have to figure this out because we essentially shut down the entire shipyard network in the, t- in the uh, Northwest over these people wanting an extra dollar an hour. So it turned into a big problem. So. All right. Around April, so, <laughs> so mid-April 1919, okay. mail bombs start showing up all over the country. Wait, mail bombs? Bombs in the mail. Boom. Oh, I was like, all right, I totally misunderstood. I was like, are you saying planes are flying over, dropping like nope. bombs full of mail? Nope. The, no, not not, that. it's not like the ticks. Mine was like the complete opposite. <laughs> no, no, no. This is, this is bombs ended up in the mail. Kind bombs of, in the was, mail. This is like uh, very Arnold similar. Schwarzenegger and, and Sinbad. Uh, dude, like... Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shakes the mail. It's like, do you know how many... Do you like know anthrax. how many bombs go through the mail every day? So many. I got one. <laughs> I found one and I saved one. <laughs> it's like... It, it was also like the anthrax scare. I remember uh, that. That was like Bush, right? What? Yeah, that was like Bush time. Yeah, it was right after 9-11. It was uh, literally right after 9-11 was when it happened. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember that now because I was like, yeah. and I remember Bush like coming on TV talking about anthrax in the mail. Yeah, I flew I flew from uh, New York to Florida right after 9-11, and I remember I was stuck in Florida right after it happened, and a lot of the anthrax letters went through the processing facility near my parents' house. Oh, shit. It was a really, yeah, it was a big problem. So anyways, April 1919. Uh, mail bombs start popping up. They're getting mailed to John Rockefeller and uh, this mayor who falsely took credit for breaking up that entire Seattle strike we were talking about. Also, judges, businessmen, FBI agents, everybody who is basically investigating the Bolsheviks, yeah. they start getting bombs in the mail. Oh, fuck. They're getting these, these bombs. These are fucking about. Yeah. And so out of all these bombs, one of them blows up. Uh, on oh, April shit. 29th, a uh, package sent to U.S. Senator Thomas Hardwick in Georgia, a sponsor of the Anarchist Exclusion Act, basically one of the early precursors to the Patriot Act. Okay. 
explodes, uh, injures his wife and his housekeeper. And uh, by then, the FBI had sent around images of all these bombs, and some random poster worker ended up seeing a lot of the bombs and grabbing them up so they didn't blow up. So oh, shit. this dude saves the day. Uh, unfortunately, the uh, senator's wife and housekeeper get messed up pretty bad because they were oh, caught shit. in the explosion. But yeah. the senator, like... He wasn't home at the time. Oh, yeah. shit. All right. Yeah. So that's the only thing about mail bombs. Yeah. So those go Their off. chances of getting your target are low. Yeah, that's a big problem. And and throughout history, mail bombs have been like a pretty serious thing. Like they have yeah. a lot. Ted Kaczynski, you know. So. Yeah. 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 So anyways, after that, that's in April. And then in May, May Day, May 1st, 1919, uh, just a huge celebration day for organized labor. Violent demonstrations start breaking out in Cleveland. Two people die, dozens are injured, and more than 100 are arrested. These are gigantic riots with organized labor. Then race riots start breaking out in D.C., Chicago, and Charleston. A few dozen more die, and newspapers across the U.S. blame anarchists and Bolshevists for all this unrest. And when you hear this whole, like, nowadays, the fear of Antifa, it goes back to literally this exact moment. So people who are, like, in Congress now who are, like, 60, 70 years old, they're remembering their parents talking about this. Okay. Like these day, this moment back then when like mail bombs are going off, there's riots in every city. There's like communists like wrecking stuff in the streets. Yeah. And there were little kids thinking about this. And yeah. that transposes exactly to today when like Lindsey Graham is talking about communists and Antifa. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. Well, I mean, these Antifa, I mean, I don't know how you feel about Antifa, but like, I mean, I'm, I don't particularly support them in any way, yeah. shape, or form. I mean, I don't know. What's scary to me about this, like, this shit is blowing my mind right now. Like, this is fucking crazy. I can't yeah. believe it. How have I never heard about this? This is nuts. But, like, when it was you a pretty equate, big deal. Yeah. Yeah. But when you equate it to Antifa, I mean, like, I don't know what you guys think, but those people out there, like, creating the riots out of the protests in modern sure. day, yeah. what's going on. That's those Antifa fucks. And like the fact <laughs> that the government won't come out and be like Antifa's a terrorist, a domestic terrorist organization. That shit's ludicrous to me because I get that they're not organized, but at the same time, these fucks out there are doing this shit. Well, and at the same time though, like is... Am I am I wrong? Well, is that Antifa? Like is this... Well, I mean, I guess that's the question. Is it, is Antifa, it just but... people protesting and then there's some, some bad eggs blowing stuff up and bad eggs doing things, you know? So this goes back to agent provocateurs. Are, are there people... That's, see, that's what I'm thinking is that you know, it's an agent provocateur You look back kind of at like the Minnesota riots and there's all those videos of that dude with the umbrella like smashing that windows. white guy with the, uh, with the like um, American flag pole. Yeah, exactly. Thing, yeah. Like trying to smash the windows and there's yeah, like same. black dudes running in and with like skateboards like hitting him in the face yeah, and like yeah. trying to get him to stop and stuff. So like... You know, is it just people expressing their feelings and then other people are coming in? So, like, we should do a whole episode on agent provocateurs because that's a huge thing. And I've, like, I've written about it before and it's, like, it's interesting. So, the conspiracy is it's Antifa. The conspiracy is it probably exists. And it might not be Antifa. It might just be be people. 
Maybe I've just had too many of these cushions and I'm over here just be like, it's definitely Antifa. <laughs> I believe it. It's you're definitely showing, You're showing them. your power level right now. So, I'm, I'm on level 9,000 right now. <laughs> so, uh, so that was, uh, that was May, May Day. May 1st is when all that blew up. 1919, May 1st. All right. So then we get to June. Okay. Uh, so after all these riots settle down, there's eight bombs far larger than anything mailed back in April explode simultaneously across eight different U.S. cities. What? These bombs contain 25 pounds of dynamite and wrapped in packages with heavy metal shrapnel that were designed to kill as many people as possible. Holy shit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, big problem. So this stuff starts going off and like it just keeps ramping up. So all of the intended targets that had participated in some way with the investigation or the opposition of these anarchist radicals, along with Attorney General Palmer, who was targeted a second time, the intended victims include a Massachusetts state representative and a New Jersey silk manufacturer. Those are all people that were targeted in these eight bombs. Okay. Fatalities included a New York City night watchman, William Bonner, and one of the bombers, Carlo Valdanochi. He was, he was the guy who set up a bomb. He got blown up. A Galenist radical who died in a spectacular fashion when the bomb he placed at the home of Attorney General Palmer exploded in his face. Oh, shit. So, yeah. That sounds like instant karma. Yeah, he didn't get away very well. Uh, though not seriously injured, Attorney General Palmer and his family were thoroughly shaken by the blast, and their home was almost completely demolished. I saw pictures of it, and it looks like uh, the Oklahoma City bombing where the whole face of the building is just down. Yeah. That's what their house looked like. It was Holy just shit. trashed, you know? So... A bunch from this, from the bombings and from people cracking down. So the government starts cracking down on people after these bombings. Okay. Um, strikes start breaking out all over the place. Steel workers, coal workers go off the rails. They're they're striking. They're like holding up production. They're stopping production across the country. Would you say the railroad workers went off the rails? Ah. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was the worst joke I've ever made. No, it worked because um, they did. <laughs> so, so anyways, the, the steel and coal guys, like they all, they all shut down production. Uh, but as the strike just keeps dragging on because there was no solutions, the government's not coming in yeah. and saying like, you're going to get more money. You're going to get better treatment. Cause right. keep in mind back then, these guys were like, get like their faces burned off with like molten lava yeah. while they're working. And, and like, they're also they're, moving at like a snail's pace. They'd be like, doo, 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 right. Doo, doo, and they're just like, hey, oh, we just heard they're thinking about it. Yeah, it's just it's gar it's a garbage working condition. You're which, right. You know, it is what it is. It's, this is before it's, OSHA. It's 1919. Like people are dying daily in 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 the mines and all this stuff. You know. Yeah. And so, anyways, so child labor is still a thing. Like, pretty much. I mean, people yeah. were like 14, 15 year olds are working. You know. So yeah. So as these strikes like kept dragging on, uh, the problem was steel and coal supplies started dwindling because nobody was producing them. Yeah. And this wasn't like we, we weren't like pumping in stuff from China back then. So right. if dudes in West Virginia weren't pumping out coal, dudes in San Francisco weren't lighting their fires, you know, so there was no right. really recourse for this. So the common person on the street instantly turned on the 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 unions. Instantly. Yeah. They were just like, listen, we need coal and F you guys. Yeah. And My house so, is cold. Go fuck yourself. Exactly. And so it immediately felt like all of the strikes immediately fell apart. Um, 
during during all of this stuff as this as the uh day-to-day consensus by the average working person was starting to turn against the unions because they used to have the unions back as these people are turning against the unions um the government starts rounding people up they start rounding up illegal immigrants and one of the things they do is they they basically arrest 500 illegal immigrants um who were essentially on mailing lists for some communist propaganda. Okay. And what they find is they have these 500 people who may or may not have participated in anything, but they were definitely getting mail from the communists. Okay. So they take these 500 people and they jam them all onto one ship, float them over to Russia and kick them off the boat. And then they come back and they're like, Hey, we expelled all the communists. Everything's good. We're done here. Everybody back to work. And Captain all, America. Exactly. We won. And they like wipe their hands of it. Everybody's done. Everything calmed down. And basically people were like, oh, it's the 20s. And they just started like going into the roaring 20s. And they let's like, drink bourbon and dance and do drugs. Yeah. Because like prohibition hadn't started yet. Right. And so like, you know, they didn't have that to look forward to. <laughs> so that all of that was essentially the first red scare. Like that's okay. what that entire thing is called. Yeah. You know? And so later after we got dragged into World War II, there was the second Red Scare. Okay. And this all relates to birds. So we're talking like being 25 drugs. years later. Yeah. 1939 or so. Okay. So, so anyways, uh, the second Red Scare occurred after World War II, and it was popularly known as McCarthyism, obviously, because uh, after his most famous supporter, Senator Joseph McCarthy. McCarthyism coincided with an increased and popular fear of communist espionage that was consequently of the increasing tension uh, in the Cold War through the Soviet occupation of Eastern Europe. Uh, you know, the, the Berlin blockade happened, all these different things, like basically... Communists were setting up in different parts of the world, right. and it was freaking out Americans again. Yeah. So as the Korean War starts breaking out, all this stuff, Americans start shitting their pants collectively again. And in the event, the events of the late '40s and the early '50s, there were there was a couple, Ethel and Julius Rosenberg, who were arrested for uh, espionage. Basically, in they, the U.S. Yeah, in the U.S., they were basically okay. selling secrets to the Russians. And great. Yeah, exactly. So this couple were arrested and it was like this widely broadcasted thing. It was huge. And everybody saw that happening. And basically everybody was like, oh, my neighbor is also a communist. Because they saw this. This is where that like movie with Jim Carrey where it's like, this person's a communist and you're a communist and you're a communist. Exactly. The Hollywood communism thing, like all that started. Yeah. So McCarthyism was essentially a time in American history where everybody turned their fingers on each other and they were like, Hey, you, uh, you really support this university. So I think you might be a communist or you do this and you might be a communist. So, So it just started dudes show up at your house and go, we think you're a communist. You're coming with us. Literally that happened. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so at the house, so they created a thing called the house un-American activity committee. Uh, what they did was they, uh, they got all these people together. They, they started testifying against communists and sympathizers. And some of these people were saying that communist sympathizers penetrated the U S government before, during, and after World War II. And they essentially said that there's communist sympathizers everywhere. 
So these people who are on trial who were basically screwed yeah. said everybody else is doing it too. And so McCarthy, General, General McCarthy, George McCarthy, well, or Joseph McCarthy, sorry. Joseph McCarthy <laughs> turned and saw that like this was happening and he essentially started pointing fingers at everyone. Right. So um, all these spies started popping up out of the woodworks. People started accusing them of espionage. And right around this time, like 1947, 1948, the CIA started. And so the CIA came out of nowhere and was basically like, we got to get this shit under a hat. Yeah, you can't see me right on. now, but I'm nodding my head like He's so hard. I'm like, crazy. this is the perfect time for for countrywide surveillance. Exactly. So Patriot Act 1947 happens, and everybody is a suspect. From top to bottom, everyone is a suspect. So in 1947, the CIA was founded with the sole responsibility of surveilling tens of thousands of Americans with communist leanings. The CIA had a hard time convicting anyone of any real crimes, but to them it became very clear that by the 1950s, the threat of communism was increasing exponentially and they had to improve the system needed to track all of these communists. The 1951 conviction of the Rosenbergs gave the CIA all the ammunition they needed to launch their newest program. Do you know what the newest program is? To replace all the birds with surveillance. To replace every bird. Is there a name for it? I I feel like there was a name for the program where they started it, and I feel like it would have been perfect. I would if I had jumped in and been like Project (laughs) Project Birdie Birdie. (laughs) Yeah, Project Birds the Word. Yeah. So they were they were pre they were pre Operation and Bird Naming levels. So no, I wanted it to be Project Birds the Word. I know it needs to be. But so as we were uh, getting out of the Rosenbergs being convicted and moving later into the 1950s, so it's it's 1953, and okay. Alan Dulles, who Dulles Airport is named after in Washington, D.C., Okay, Dulles was appointed as the first civilian director of the CIA. And this guy undertook the greatest ever increase of American surveillance on U.S. soil. The CIA began using CCTV closed caption television, obviously. Right, right. Uh, surveillance to track Americans that it considered a threat. So what they started doing was basically putting cameras on street corners in major cities, and they're just watching, you know, college professors who teach Marx to other people. Yeah. You know? So they're keeping an eye on these people. And one of the problems that they had was that when you have a camera on a street corner, you're only on that street corner. There's nowhere else you can go. Right. So you're basically limited to where you can shove a camera and in 1953 cameras were pretty large you know right. you're looking at something the size of a backpack and so there's just like strapped to a telephone pole yeah or a light or a stoplight pole or whatever exactly yeah so this is like the level zero predecessor to gorgon stare yes 100 percent, absolutely so what they're doing is just building in how they can take this to the next level And so they're bringing in new technology, new ways to look at stuff. And so on April 15th, 1956, Alan Dulles meets with Eisenhower and proposes his new plan to put these moving cameras in the sky. Operation Bird is the word. Operation Birdie Birdie. (laughs) Eisenhower (laughs) approves the plan without even knowing what it is or the true ramifications of what Dulles has in mind. 
Other members of the CIA later shared Dulles's absolute hatred of birds. So Dulles hates birds from the beginning and mainly because they were shitting all over his car in the CIA parking lot. <laughs> this is all rumor and conjecture, but it was shared as something that might be important. All right. So on an intelligent gathering re- retreat in May of 1956, Dulles and his team sought to kill two birds with one stone, pun intended, uh-huh. literally, Two birds with one deadly uh, flesh-eating virus. Exactly. (laughs) He wants to remove all the birds from the United States, but also replace these birds with billions of highly advanced robot lookalikes capable of mimicking real birds in every way. Now, keep in mind, we had, going back, Roswell in in the 40s. Well, I mean, we just got in that alien tech like 10 years. So it's right there. So so it's fresh on everybody's mind. So Dulles and his team want to create the greatest surveillance system ever imagined with the capability of tracking someone on foot, in a vehicle, or even in their personal homes. So they want to take it from the street corner to following people. Yeah. So if you have a bird, the bird can chase the person down the street, follow them into their house, sit outside their window, and tweet at them annoyingly. Yep. So they already do. They still do it to me. It's true. <laughs> there's so, there's phone lines and shit right outside the the uh, window of my office, and every so often I look at them and I'm like, "You motherfuckers are watching." Me. That's how they recharge. They I sit know on the it. Phone lines. Yeah, that is how they recharge. Yeah. They sit on the power lines and they yep. suck energy out of. Yep. Actually, they it's wireless charging. Well, they can't do that because of the way that the power lines are designed. But maybe you don't know how the power lines are designed. No. Yeah. Okay. No, the way that it works is basically when a bird or something lands on a power line, it creates a different amount of resistance along the line. Oh, really? And yeah, and the way that the lines are designed, because if the bird just landed on it, um, yeah, the power line has to cycle on and off. Yeah. Otherwise, because it thinks something's contacted it. Okay. And if something contacts the line and then gets grounded, 100 million volts or whatever. Oh, that's why if you're power holding lines. it, but you're touching the ground, you'll get electrocuted? Yeah, if you're holding it, but you're touching the ground, you create a ground, and then the electricity goes through you, into the ground, electrocutes you, fries you, whatever. But if a bird lands on it, so if you're contacting with the line, but you're not touching the ground, the basically there's a system in the power lines that it thinks something has contacted the line and as a preventative measure to electrocuting people. Okay. Whatever, it cycles the line on and off. Cool. And so, um, so it's yeah. not how they recharge. No. Okay. Cause they can't get power from lines. Probably double A batteries on. at some point or something. I don't, yeah, I don't All right. know. All right. So let's dive back in. But so, oh, uh, I don't know. Maybe they have tech built into them to where when they land on the lines, it causes the line to cycle on and off. But then when it comes back on, it doesn't think something's on it. And so then it charges it them. Okay, if if they're advanced enough to surveil us, they're advanced enough to trick the shitty power line systems. Possible. All right, let's keep rolling. <laughs> so on May 6, 1957, Dulles met with the head of the Boeing airplane company and ordered 120 B-52 bombers. He was under strict orders not to leave a trace of his actions, so he devised a plan to construct the aircraft in Nevada's Area 51 instead of a Boeing HQ. At Area 51, the Boeing engineers were tasked with with designing a new version of the B-52, the B-52B, I'm assuming the B stood for bird, which fitted 450-gallon water tanks in the place of the munitions compartments. 
And the tanks were, were loaded with water that was tainted with this engineered avian virus that spread quickly through exclusively avian populations. The virus acted similar to the flesh-eating bacteria and would, all, would almost entirely dissolve the birds. Operation Water the Country was born. That year, 15% of the bird population was wiped out and replaced with surveillance drones. I always wondered, like, what did they do with the dead birds? Well, they disintegrate. They didn't have to do anything with them. Yeah. They were gone. It's hollow bones, so they just disintegrate. They just disintegrate into the air. They blow away. Yeah. So They're just dust in the wind. (laughs) All we are is dust in the wind. So the president was unaware of what was going on until October 3rd, 1963, when a top CIA official was overheard speaking about the operation over a tap phone line. Kennedy overheard Alvin B. Cleaver, internal communications director for the CIA, discussing the plan and summoned Cleaver and Dulles to question them. A month later, Kennedy was assassinated. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, Kennedy fucked up. He shouldn't have dipped around with the birds. Never, never mess with the birds. Yeah. He can mess with Marilyn Monroe, but not the birds. Right. So there's <laughs> there's believed to be 22 underground manufacturing plants during the peak of the construction process, somewhere around, somewhere around the 80s. Upwards of 100,000 robots were being constructed each day across all 22 bunkers. Each of these fake fallout shelter robot bird construction facilities, facilities will construct a different type of bird specific to that region, and they've been chugging along ever since. During the 1970s, several whistleblowers came forward and tried to alert the country. Some were immediately murdered, and some went on to found the Birds Aren't Real movement, and it's been building steam ever since. Well, I guess my only question is, when was the Clinton Foundation founded? Because if it was around this time, they were probably assassinated by them. They're the best assassinators in the world. The Clinton body count claimed the Birds Aren't Real people. Absolutely. I would believe that. If you told me that, I would believe that. Yeah. It's right in the, They're less, better than the Russians at assassinating people. It seems like it. Less radiation involved. Yeah. So that leaves us with a couple of questions here. So since the uh, production of the birds was going off full tilt, uh, people started wondering about four main questions. All right. Let's the first, yeah. So the first one is, uh, what about the eggs? What happens every morning when you're eating eggs? Well, I mean, like eggs from chickens? Yeah, chicken eggs. Well, chickens wouldn't be included in the surveillance birds. Are you sure? Uh, Chickens are ground birds. Yeah, but they got to keep an eye on farmers. Uh, There's other birds that can keep eyes on farmers. We need the chickens so that we can eat them. It's true. But what the uh, birds aren't real movement says is that uh, all eggs that you get in the store and get from other uh, chickens are synthetic. It's a, it's a creation made in laboratories and delivered to grocery stores. No different than soda pop or cheese sticks. Oh shit. Yeah. So you're eating fake stuff. All right. I uh, mean, I, I'm, there's a hundred percent chance we're all eating some kind of fake stuff. So absolutely everything probably. I mean, I just so, never guess my eggs are fake, but I believe it. <laughs> yeah. So, so then what about the chickens that are actually laying the eggs? If the eggs are fake, they're these little tiny machines that produce synthetic eggs. Yeah. So where does chicken meat come from? When you go and you buy a rotisserie chicken, what are you getting? Uh, uh, 
lab grown synthetic meat. Exactly. 100%. What? So, really? I'm right? Yeah, you're absolutely <laughs> right. It's, it's actually lab grown synthetic meat. So when you get chicken nuggets, you're basically getting like fungi and uh, soy mixed together. Okay. So, all right. So this actually doesn't entirely blow my mind because, all right, fun fact. Okay. Um, have you ever been to like an all you can eat sushi buffet? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. So, 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 um, there's like classy all you can eat sushi yeah. buffets as well as like the really shitty ones. Yep. And like there's ones where you pay like $35 and you can eat all the like big rolls you want or whatever. Sure. So <clears throat> one of the things that, uh, a lot of these type of like sushi places keep on the menu that would be way too expensive to keep on the menu, but for some reason it's there and it doesn't make any sense for the amount of money you're paying is scallops. Okay. So what do they do? Scallops? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, scallops are grown in farms. Yeah. No, they can't afford those either. Oh, so they're, I mean, growing scallops are, no, it's like, it's shark meat. Wait, what? Yeah. They replace the scallops with like discs of cut white shark meat. Wait, wouldn't it be way harder to get shark than scallops? Yeah, but less expensive. Well, because scallops, they grow scallops in like factory farms. I don't know, man. I'm just telling you. What, <laughs> I'm just telling you what I heard. Scallops grow, <laughs> scallops grow like mushrooms. Like they grow them in factory farms. Yeah, but I mean like think about like so scallops are like the size of like a golf ball, right? Yeah. Like and there's also many? small. There's bay versus... Uh, like bay versus like the other kind of scallops, like yeah, like ocean versus bay scallops. I always want the big ones, and the I ones they have in like sushi are like the big ones that they yeah. like cut up or whatever. So, you, I, so they're great white shark. No, it's just like not great white shark. It's just like like you ever get um like a uh, like a California roll and it has like imitation uh, crab meat in it. Yeah, which is like white fish. Yeah. yeah, it's made out of white fish. Yeah, not. There's, I don't think there's a fish out there called the white fish that they're using to do that. It's just white sure. fish meat. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's just white shark meat. Okay. So I saw this thing one time uh, where it was like people were going around to different restaurants where yeah. they, and they would like order all the different seafood and then they would test the meat to see if it was actually the meat oh, that they okay. said it was. And the scallops were like almost always shark meat. Weird. Yeah. Okay. So are there like, are there some sort of like super common shark that they're using to like harvest for this meat? I don't know. Like I didn't nurse, get like that far into sharks it. or something. Yeah. I didn't like go back and Google it. I just okay. saw it and I was like, oh fuck. They're okay. replacing the scallops or shark meat because scallops are too expensive. Okay. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I bought, I bought scallops to make one night and it was like $25 and I was I mean, like, that's probably actually scallops, though. If I was it's like, like, why 18, did I spend twenty five dollars on? If scallops? it's like eighteen to twenty five dollars a pound, that's probably actually yeah. Scallops. That's what I'm saying is like, why did I spend that much yeah. money on? Scallops? But if you go into yeah. like, uh, but if you go into a restaurant and it's like forty five dollars and it's like three scallops, that's probably actually scallops. But yeah. if it's like twenty bucks and you're getting four scallops, you're eating shark meat. Okay, so just keep an eye. I on. feel like I feel like sharks are more rare though. Like like, but I okay. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, all you need punch is a like, hole in a shark. Well, like, all you need is like one two thousand pound shark, and boom, you got like a million sure, scallops. Yeah, because yeah, you couldn't really use like tuna or anything. Because yeah. like tuna is tuna is tuna. Right. It'd be too red. Okay. It'd have to be like you know what I mean. Yeah. 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 All right. Anyway, back back to the any birds. any marine biologists out there, shout out. Let us know yeah, what's let me know. going on with that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Okay. So 
We've talked about the meat. We've talked about the eggs. Okay. So what is, so if all the birds are fake and they're robots that are tracking us and they're drones. Okay. What about the bird shit? Cause I get bird shit on my car. I have two cars. Okay. I get bird shit on my cars multiple times. So are we talking about bird shit or are we talking about chickens? No, we're talking about bird shit. Like for like when you're walking down the street, bird shits on your head. What is that? Okay. Cause before we were on talking your car. About, right. Okay. What do you get on, on your car out there? Shit. I don't know. I'm all right. I'm trying to think. I come out on my car. There's shit on it. I know if I leave the shit on my car, it's going to fuck up my clear coat. Yeah. It's acidic. Yeah. Yeah. So it's got to Yeah. So it's got to be something acidic. I I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to tell me what it is. All right. I'll tell uh, Don't worry, little baby bird. I'll feed you. It's, uh, <laughs> it's so essentially it is a highly sophisticated liquid tracking device. What? Yep. But it's acidic? Yeah. Yeah. That's how it bonds with your car. So on a molecular level, it sticks to your car. So even if you wash it off, there's still pieces there. That's why it fucks up your clear coat. Oh, shit. Yeah, exactly. All right. So now this is that. That was the like end of the questions though, right? No, there's still one more. All right. All right. Let's let's do the last one. Okay. Because I have to jump back. I have a story to tell. Okay. So anyways, so the bird poop is essentially... When you come out and there's a there's some bird poop on your car, that means that the government is trying to track where you're going. Oh shit! Yeah. So you guys, you got to get that bird poop quick. Yeah, you it'll fuck wash up your clear coat. It'll mess up your car. And I see one of and my and they know where you're going. Yeah, my Miata is plastic dipped, so I'm screwed. Like oh shit! Bird poop. I did not right realize up. that was plastic dip. Yeah, I thought they'd like full on matte painted that shit. No, it's plastic dip. It's horrible. Oh and god! <laughs> you can peel that off. I can peel it off in like 20 minutes. Don't it's, do it though. It's, um, no, I'm not going to. It might be worse underneath. It's 100% worse underneath. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell by looking at it, it's 100% worse underneath. All right, yeah, don't So do anyways, that. next question. So you're out in the woods. Okay. You're a hunter. Okay. You have hunted. Yeah. You've killed things with a gun. Sure. You're out there. So let's talk about turkeys. You're out there. God, they're so annoying. Turkeys are worst like only geese are worse they're extremely intelligent they see in color did you know did you know ben franklin wanted the turkey to be the american mascot instead of the bald eagle that would make sense turkeys are assholes sure let's go with that (laughs) (laughs) but anyways so let's say let's say you and i are out in the woods okay uh we come we come up out out of a clearing okay and there's a turkey you right. and I are both toting uh, over-under shotguns. Probably a pump if we're going after turkeys, but all right. Sure. I don't know. I've never hunted turkeys. You use a pump. Okay. So Or a semi. So the, the turkey comes around the corner. Okay. You get a beat on it. <laughs> they do one of those. Yes. Yeah. You all hit right. it with the buckshot and drop it. I guess you wouldn't use buckshot. No, you'd use bird shot. Bird shot. Or turkey shot. Turkey yeah. shot. Okay. So there's turkey shot for a turkey. Yeah. This is showing my uh, idea You have no a turkey choke in your pump. Sure. Yeah. So, so you drop this turkey. You walk up to it. You literally and, blow its head off. That's and the only you way. see turkey guts. Yeah. So, uh, what happened to the the mechanized birds? Oh, it's in there. Yeah. So it's what's, it's like Android level shit where yeah. androids are biomechanical. What would you? How would you compare that? Are these like terminators? Like what's going on there? Hmm. 
No, it's it, all right. So it's not. So when you think about an Android, it's not quite Terminator. No, right. It's not like mechanical with flesh on top. Right. Like T is he the 800 Schwarzenegger was the 800. Yeah, it was a T eight. And the 1000 was the metal guy. The yeah. He was the guy. melty guy. Yeah. 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 Um, what about no. the guy from aliens who, you know, he got ripped open. Oh, that no. See that dude was a cyborg. Was he? Okay. Yeah. I think that's different. So see, I might be confusing my cyborg and Android. No cyborgs are cybernetic beings, completely synthetic. Okay. Um, which I think is what the dude from aliens was. Yes. An Android would be a blend of living and mechanical. And so I think in this case, is that what we're with dealing the with? birds, I think we're doing dealing with a blend of living and mechanical because so okay. like if you just like blow a bird into a mini pieces, you're not going to find like a bunch of metal. Like if you just like ripped the, the face off of, Arnold Schwarzenegger and you're right. seeing the metal underneath, right? It's That's right not there. what you're going to yeah. see because there's so many people out there like hunting turkeys or killing yeah, they're out there uh, every day. Uh, chickens ducks, to eat and everything. Stuff, or ducks or, 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 or pheasant or whatever. Yeah. Um, or like, I mean, people don't really eat crow, but like, you know, if you run over a crow in your car, oh, you people don't want eat crow somebody to like, do they? I've I'm heard sure. they taste horrible. Probably. I don't know. Gamey. But like if you hit a crow or a whatever bird with your car you don't want to like have like fake bloody guts fly everywhere and then all of a sudden there's this like metal skeleton underneath you still want people yeah. who don't know about birds to think that shit's a real bird so so uh some sort of uh non-metal synthetic bone structure kind of thing yeah i mean it could easily be some sort of synthetic frame it doesn't have to be metal it could look like bone it could break like bone it could weigh like bone but sure. it could not be bone so you know what i mean and they could have like one of the thing that's come out really recently in tech that's been really cool is um translucent televisions explain yourself so there's a number <laughs> of really cool tech that's come out that i mean could totally be used for this i don't follow modern tech so so one of the thing that's cool about like recent tech is like if you look at the way um, so the way that like QLED televisions and stuff are designed and sure. um, the way that they create the pixels, the little uh, electrodes that they bind together to create the LED picture. If you on a normal LED TV, the behind portion of it is uh, like a black so that when you see the TV, it, you know, like the it's black like a shelf black. that it all sits in. Yeah. Okay. No, it's like a no. flat panel and all these little electrodes are webbed together in this like thin sheet that's on the back of the, that's on, that's like creates the TV. Between this is the TVs, TVs we have us. now. That's what yeah. you're describing. Okay. And there's translucent versions of it where you can see straight through the TV. Like you can, like if you set it okay. up, like if you set up a TV in between us, like, so we're facing each other. Yeah. If you set this thing up in between us, I could see straight through the TV to you. But okay. if I get real, but if I turn it on and I'm like watching a movie, I can see the movie, but I can still see through it to see. Sure, you. like uh, Back to the Future Two stuff. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. if I get really, really up close on it, you can see the all webbing. the microscopic little wires connecting all the key, the little LEDs together. Cool. 
and they can this like microscopic wiring they could use to like blend into the bones to create the structure that like moves the bird. Yeah. And then there's this other cool thing that's like come out recently in well, the private I mean, if, field as if well. That's what we have with TVs now. Like if you if that's what your TV is now inside. Right. Like they the, could, government, the government could have had that shit 50 years ago. Of course. Of right. course they did. Right. Look it's at, like, like there's hydrogen powered engines now that run on water, but they won't release them because there were, there were, they don't want to destroy the uh, electric car industry. Of course. And yeah. they don't want to destroy the oil industry by yeah. being like, congratulations, if you buy this car, you can run it on tap water. There were like, there were like hydrogen powered Studebakers in the 50s. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, hydrogen powered engines are out there. You can run them on yeah. fucking water. But we don't have that crap because, and we're never, we're not going to have it for 50 no, years because no. the oil industry is too powerful and whatever. And like there's other tech that's come out recently, like there's this thread that medical companies are making now and they can embed like little tiny microscopic cameras and little tiny LEDs in the end of it. And what they can do is Jesus. they can use this thread that's made out of this like weird titanium alloy and it's a magnetic thread that they can string through the veins in My your God. body and they can literally steer the thread using magnets because they can magnetize a portion of the thread and make it bend and turn. And so they can weave it through your veins in your like arm or go all the way up in your neck into your brain and weave through the structure of blood vessels in your body and find where like blockages are and then use the thread to like, pull pieces of the blockage out to deconstruct blockages. So I've been led to understand by the insane clown posse that we aren't sure how magnets work. Uh, Is that not the case? See, I listened to ICP and I owned an <laughs> ICP hoodie when I was in high school. Okay. But I, uh, if you tried to get me to quote any other song other than homies, I would not know what you're talking about. <laughs> My my only two interactions with ICP are the that music video where they're like magnets, magnets. How do they work? That that whole thing, and then the other one was uh, when I was in college, there was a a girl that I was making out pretty heavily with who pulled off her shirt and there was an ICP tattoo and sick. That girl's a keeper. I fled the scene. And that was that. Oh, one. I would have instantly been like, oh, yo, girl, you seem like the kind of the girl that wants to go to Rave and do shrooms. <laughs> no, I, I fled. <laughs> I fled quickly. Yeah, it was. Uh, All right. So what's the theory? What's the theory about the the bodies? So it's essentially. Because uh, I've it, seen so many dead bird bodies. Uh, yeah. Same. Mil literally. Millions. I, I'm actually surprised about how many dead birds I've seen in my life. Like No, like. So I worked for a chicken producing manufacturing company yeah i've seen literally millions upon millions well, upon millions of yeah. dead, dead my chicken family, carcasses my family who lives in um northern indiana are yeah. all they literally everyone in my family worked at the purdue chicken factory in northern indiana yeah, i worked at the sanderson chicken factory exactly, in Georgia. Yeah. so like i mean <laughs> like they have seen these deaths like not i mean not deaths but you know like I did. Chicken shreddings. You know? Yeah. Horrible. Um, if you ever have the opportunity to work at a chicken plant, don't. Yeah, I'll turn it down. Uh, yeah. you know, Say I'm, no. I'm, don't I'm do pretty, it. I'm Walk pretty established away. in my career. I, I feel like slaughterhouse is not a direction I'm going to go somewhere else. Yeah. Um, so the theory is that they're actually um, 
like cybernetic, like very much like uh, uh, the cyborg and alien that was killed. Okay. Uh, so basically, extremely. Right, they'd rather do that than uh, a better ver- than the android version. Well, they they figure it's extremely advanced uh, cybernetics, like uh, so. Yeah. It's like meat based computing. You okay. Know? So okay. 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 That's okay. what they're saying. All right, it, I could get on. Board it's with stuff that we don't have. Area fifty one stuff, you know. So. They can't fix my back with some cyborg shit. <laughs> but they can well, make birds. Well, you're not a bird spying on people. So as soon as you want to jump on board the bird spying on people train, we'll fix your back. That's well, all, all right. Um, so then call me a bird. So <laughs> <laughs> if you're a bird, if you're a bird, I'm a bird. That's right. So, um, so the real question is like, who's involved with the actual uh, birds aren't real? Uh, the birds aren't real movement. Who okay. are the people that are involved? Yeah, all right. So the main person who's been making all of these uh, uh, rounds and been going on MSNBC and CNN and all these people is a uh, a kid by the name of Peter Mikendo. And I say kid because I'm 40 and he's in his uh, early to mid 20s. I mean, I'm only 30 and some change. He's still a child. Still a kid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so he's from Tennessee and, uh, he speaks, he claims to speak for the entire movement as some sort of PR person. Um, and he, he calls all of the followers, his bird brigade. And, um, but he constantly and is very, very careful to talk about how this is not his brainchild. And he is just the current messenger about a situation that has been going on from from the seventies. So he's, he's very um, active and vocal about how he's just the guy in charge now. And he's not even in charge. He's just the guy kind of like talking to the media. Yeah. Um, He's just a figurehead. There's other people somewhere else who are in charge. He's just the, the face. Yeah. And on their website, they birds aren't real.com. Check it out. If you haven't, Um, they, uh, they talk about, um, in there who is you know the original people who came in and talked about it in the 70s so he names those people and um in interviews he strongly defends the legitimacy of the movement and he promotes the idea that birds are not real at all so he continues to air the idea that um pre-70s and the 50s, the Birds Aren't Real movement was there to stop the genocide of all these birds. Post-70s, once it was too far over the tipping point, now he's there to educate the people. So, uh, you know, Peter Mikendo was brought in to really revolutionize how they talked to the standard day-to-day person about Birds Aren't Real. Yeah. They want to get on TikTok. They want to get on um, you yeah. know, Instagram Reels. They want to be out there. They're pushing their social media game super, super hard. Yeah. And, I and mean, they're being really successful at it. It's very successful. The I word mean, is so, out there. So that is a big part of the current iteration of the Birds on Real people is that their merch game is very strong. Yeah. You like know, their designers are crushing it. They are there. So it's kind of leading edge, cool designs that everybody wants to wear. They're selling, I would assume hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of stuff. 
Um, and across the Probably. country. I mean, they got shirts, they got stickers, they got every, they have everything, everything you, know? you could possibly want. And so all across the country, they're out there. They have street teams who are out there pushing swag, shirts, gear, stickers. So that's the guy that I know. Right. So the guy that I know is the street team representative for Richmond. Right. So he is the guy in Richmond who's pushing the theory. Yeah. If you see stickers around Richmond, this dude put him there. Yeah. Like if you so, see birds aren't real shit, my boy's the one who's doing it. Right. And so it comes down to basically why. Like, is he there because he agrees? Was he shown some evidence and he's in on it? Yeah. Does he feel like that's the way to be? And I've kind of asked him about it. He won't he won't really tell me that much. Yeah, like maybe he knows something you don't know. Who knows? Yeah, you know, I don't know. It seems like to him he's trying to downplay it. Like, I don't know, bro. Like, I'm just kind of in it for the free merch. I think this shit's ridiculous. Like, I don't know that they really show their street team the like the facts. They're just like... I would assume not. They just kind of are like, haha, this is funny. You want to earn some free t-shirts and stuff? Yeah. Here's some stickers. And that's basically the way that works. So the way Which that I, it if works... If I was 20, I'd be doing that. Yeah, because you know? the way that it works with them essentially is they use you sign up to try and be part of their street team and they basically give you challenges to complete. Oh. Yeah, it, it's cool. yeah, it's it's kind of interesting and cool at the same time. So basically it's like all right, if you want to become part of the street team, you have to finish this challenge. Oh, and so interesting. your first challenge is you have to take these stickers that we're going to send you in the mail. And you have to stick them around places around. Okay. They're going to send you like a stack of like 20 stickers. Sure. And you, and you have to take the 20 stickers yeah. and you got to put them all over town. And you have High to take areas. A, yeah. And you have to take a picture. Sure. Of each one of the 20 Standard. stickers of where yeah, you send yeah. them. And then you have to send them back to them. And you have a certain amount of time to do it in. Like 24 hours or like. Yeah. Cool. Something okay. like that. I'm and into this. I if like you it. do it, we should they do basically this. push you on to the next level where it's like, all right, so the next level it's like is. like Scientology. Yeah. So the next level is <laughs> here's the a flyer. You have to print like 30 of these flyers and you have to go hang them around businesses and take a picture of every one in of them. In a certain and, amount of time. And if you do that within 48 hours, then you move on to the next level. And they just keep doing it. And eventually it's like... If, and in the meanwhile, like their next level, you're like, you're getting yeah. a sticker. You're getting yeah, a shirt. Get, yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Cool. Like that's that's pretty interesting. Like if I was a guy who was trying to like pill a city, like red pill a city or blue pill or whatever. Yeah. A city on an idea. I would like my background is like starting and selling businesses. I've done it many, many times. And yeah. like if I was going to do that, that is something I would do. Yeah. Like I've started and sold one business. Yeah. And it's like that would be a thing I would yeah. do. It's and like, like I know I had a really hard time generating hype and getting people it's involved. Hard. And it's I really needed hard. to try and figure out a way to do it without yeah. giving away the product. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's just, it's easy to just give away the product. So like to right. come up with interesting ways. Yeah. It's very, I had a hard it's time very getting weird. people involved. And so this is just crazy because like my buddy is, tries to play it off. Like I'm just doing it for fun, but he's out here doing these challenges. Right. He's like jumping through hoops, doing yeah. stuff. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like hoops. So he's like, just like, it's not a big deal. I ride my bike around downtown and I do shit. And I'm like, so right, okay. Does he, 
does he believe or is he just trying to get a t-shirt? Like what's see, I can't tell. Is there like a promise of like money going on or I, like, he hasn't said anything to me about that. It does, but yeah. he, I can't tell a lot of the time if, you're if a he's dude serious right around, or not. Stickers up, you're eccentric, which yeah. is cool. Like I just can't tell cool. if he's serious or not. half yeah. the time. Like he's like, he'll just be like, bro, I just rode around town, like stuck stickers up and take pictures yeah. of him. I'm like, are you serious? Or are you not serious? I'm like, do you believe? He's like, yeah, dude, birds aren't fucking real. That's just ridiculous. I'm like, I can't tell if you're serious or not. Yeah, No, I mean, I love it because it feeds into the whole situation. Like, like we talked about is like this, the idea of this goes back to like the fifties and yeah. like, it's so easy is there to a make serious these situation? web of connections together to be right. like, it could very easily be like legit in some way. It's not hard to trace a path yeah. to something like that happening. Yeah. And as we've discussed before, we know that we know that the government like has Does no qualms yeah. experimenting on people. For sure. So, so why would they be mad at all about extincticizing every bird in North America. Sure. And I mean, why even, wouldn't they? And even if like every bird is hyperbole, like what if it's just like a bunch of birds? Like, so yeah. we just just enough to survey the population. 20,000 in every city, whatever, whatever. Like, and, and it's funny cause it's easy to say this is bullshit and it's stupid. I mean, if you even do one of t- one of 10 birds, how many times have you been driving by a I, telephone line? There's 300 birds sitting there. It means you got 30 birds surveilling And it sounds you. stupid to say it, but like I see birds every goddamn day, everywhere. They're like, everywhere. <laughs> it's, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. But it's like, it, it's, it's, there is definitely a question of like, we look at the history of the Red Scare. You know, you look at, you look at how they handled unions uprising. You look at how yeah. they handled people. I dealt with unions at the chicken company. I don't. How are chicken unions? Are they okay? Like, do they kill people? Like, what's no, they're not worried about the chickens. It's the people coming together because the work environment's horrible. Of course. And I remember the the you're, company you're telling me, "Killing things. You're a manager. If anybody comes in here asking about unions, you have to say no because that's bad for the company." And they were like having this whole union wow. strike thing happening in Georgia because unions are illegal in North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. But in Georgia, they ain't. So Crazy. they were worried about it because basically there's all these different jobs all along the chicken murdering line. <laughs> and, the, and the second job. The, uh, it sounds extreme when you call it the chicken murdering line. I mean, that's basically what it is. But yeah. the third job in the line is basically 100% convicts. Really? The first job is a forklift driver. The second job is a person who, no, the very first job is a person who unhooks the chicken cages from the trucks. Second job is the forklift driver okay. puts the, who puts the chicken cages on an automated conveyor belt. The third job is the dude. Wait, is who, there like one chicken per cage or something? What's No, it's like 20 or oh, 30. Okay. So, so it's like these weird flat cages. Up. They're like four feet wide by like four feet deep. How do deep. they kill the chickens? I'm getting there. Okay. I'll bring tell it, you. Bring it. I will tell you. It's horrible. It has to be. I There's did no it. no other way. I did it. You did it? I did. I Jesus. have done every single job from the very beginning to the very end of the chicken. My, that was my family. My whole family was murdering line. That's I crazy. Did, like I never did. So I miscounted. So the very let me start at the very beginning because I don't know how many it is. The first job, you unhook the you unhook the cages from the flatbed. Second job, forklift driver puts the cages on a weird conveyor belt. 
third job, a dude pulls a lever to shake the cages to get the chickens to fall out onto a conveyor belt. Then the conveyor belt shakes them along until they go in through this little tiny passageway that they get kind of pushed into until they go into this dark room that's lit up with red and blue lights and there's fans blowing everywhere. Wait, why are there red and blue lights? The lights are supposed to calm them down. It's weird because when you see them on the outside, they're like, and they're like flapping around and shit. But as soon as they get into the like, the like dark room with the air blowing everywhere with the red and blue lights, they like stop. And they just like all of a sudden like huddle down. They hunker down, yeah. That next job is the second most fucked up job in the entire plant. Jesus. This job is 100% convicts and their job is called chicken hanger. And what happens is there's these W-shaped shackles that go flying past you at 50 birds a minute. Jesus. And there's eight dudes in this room and there's a table in front of them and it's just a conveyor belt that's shaking with all the chickens in front of you. And your job is to reach down and grab a chicken by the leg, pick them up upside down, stick their feet in these W-shaped shackles and pull their feet down so until they're hooked in the shackle and the shackles flying past you. Are you like you. piercing their feet through that? No, no, no. It, it's, just, it's just a big W shape. Oh, so you're and just jamming? And the two W's where it's like a. Oh, it's, it's like still this. horrible. You take their legs and they go into the thing like oh. that. And then it just hangs them there while the shackles are flying past you like this. And on the back side of the shackles is a big stainless steel plate that their tummy rubs against. Oh. And so your job is to basically grab up a chicken hang them in the shackle and hook them down to where they're in the bottom of this W-shaped shackles. It's flying past your face. And then as soon as their tummy hits this stainless steel plate they're rubbing on, the stainless steel plate that's rubbing on their tummy immediately pacifies them and makes them chill out. They stop doing anything. Oh, because it's cold. Yeah. Uh, no, because there's chicken rubbing on them at 50 chickens a minute. Oh, Jesus. And you're, And basically your job is to grab chickens and hang them in these shackles all day long. That's what you do. Sounds horrible. Yep. And that's the second worst. Yeah, that's the second worst job. Oh, God. Actually, that's the worst job because as you're picking up chickens and hanging them in these shackles, they project all shit on you. They do all kind of stuff. Okay. The second worst job, and basically these shackles go flying by and they go up out of, they go up to your left out of the way and then they go swooshing through a little tiny passageway in the upper corner of the room out into a much larger room where other horrible stuff happens. Like I could talk for days on the horribleness of the chicken. We should do a whole thing on this. Yeah, I can. If you, so if you guys are interested in hearing the horrors of the chicken plant, people are, I will absolutely sit here and talk to you about the horrors of the chicken plant for an hour. All right, let's do an episode on the horrors of the chicken plant and keep moving forward with the birds. Wait, so wait, okay. So give me, give me like a, uh, 10 second, what was the worst job? Just killing them? 10 second, what's the worst job? All right, so there's two more jobs that are horrible in the plant. Number one, uh, your job is basically um, auxiliary chicken murderer. Yeah, of course. And essentially you have like your head to toe covered in plastic and you have like a little shield over your face and there's a little machine that basically it sprays waters on, on the birds and it has these two rollers that water is spraying on them and what it does is the chicken's heads go in between these two metal bars and the bars force the chicken's head to roll back. And then there's literally like a deli slicer blade sitting there running forever and it cuts the birds. So people don't have to be there. And, uh, and they bleed out into these giant blood tanks. Yeah. 
And no, Wait, but was somebody that kosher? Huh? Was that like the kosher kill? The way they bleed out like that? So no. they're knocked out. Okay. When they're getting killed like this, basically what happens is the shackles come out of the hanging room. They get dunked in the saltwater tank. Yeah. And then they get dragged over a shock plate. Yeah. And the shock plate hits them with like 50 amps of electricity. And it immediately Jesus. knocks them out and forces their heart rate to run basically max. And then as they're knocked out and their heart rates run in a million miles an hour, they go through this little uh, head slicer machine or neck slicer machine and um, it cuts their throat. And so then as their heart rates a million miles an hour and they're knocked out, they just bleed out. Wow. And that is the industry standard for the most humane way to slaughter a million birds a week, which is what most big bird plants do. Yeah. Is a million birds a week. Yeah. And uh, basically... I know the numbers. I worked at PETA. Yeah. yeah. I know the numbers. So, <laughs> yeah. so um, yeah, under most circumstances, wow. no person needs to be there. But later down the line, the FDA and government and all this stuff says that chicken plants are only allowed one... Or I can't remember what the number is, but a certain number of what's called a red bird. Sure. A month. What is or whatever. What does that mean? And basically what that means is what a red bird is, is a bird whose throat did not get cut enough oh, God. for it to be dead by uh, the by the time it went into um I don't know how to describe it, but basically it's a series of different temperatures of hot water. Picture the whole thing in my head. And what it does is the bird gets dunked into these different tanks of different temperature water to get their uh, feathers to loosen up. Yeah, yeah. And then it goes through this weird thing of spinning rubber fingers that basically blow off the feathers. Not blow, but it like massages the bird to get all of the feathers. No, it basically plucks them all. It's like a plucking machine, but yeah, it's yeah. just these big spinning discs of weird rubber fingers. That and this just is like, supposedly after they're dead. Yeah, yeah, after they're dead, all of the feathers get knocked off of them. And after this is the only time when you can tell you've had a red bird. And essentially, if you have a red uh, bird, their neck didn't get cut. Uh, and so once all the feathers are off, their whole body is red, which means their whole body is full of blood, which means uh, it got boiled to death, uh, not uh, killed while they were knocked out. That's, and so uh, it's a person's job to sit there and just stare at this net cutting machine. And if a bird goes through and somehow misses the net cutting machine, it's uh, your job to sit there covered in plastic with a ultra sharp knife in your hand and be staring at these birds. And basically if a bird <laughs> oh, doesn't go God. through the net cutting machine, you have to jump up, grab, cut their you, you turn your hand like upside down, palm facing up and you grab their neck with, uh, your fingers facing up and you turn your hand over to turn their neck backwards and you chop their head off uh, with a knife. Well, well, you're supposed to just cut their throat, but 99% of the time you don't want to miss because you may have two more birds behind that that also didn't get it. So, I mean, you're just like, you grab them, you flip, you, you essentially just chop their head off. And so then they're guaranteed to bleed out because what you don't want to have happen is a, an inhumane death. So it's better to make sure 100% that these words are dead <laughs> than have a missed bird. So, I mean, let's not shit in our own pants. Like all these all these deaths up to this point are inhumane. Like it's 
it's I mean, not, it's not great. It's none and, of it is great. And like, um, uh, if it was done to humans, none of it would be allowed. Yeah, you know. And, and, and I mean, fun fact: like you're covered in plastic and have like a blast shield over your face, essentially for a reason. Because when you jump up and get one of these chickens, the blood just sprays all of over. Of course, you. it does. That's so horrible. It's yeah. horrible. Yeah. And then so, it, it doesn't get worse down the line. It just gets gory. Of course. Well, yeah, there's like no every blood. step is shittier than the last. Yeah. I mean, there's, well, no, because once they're dead and they're bled out, um, from there it's processing. Yeah. It's, it's all, it's all cold stuff. It's all getting the meat off of the bones, processing it, getting right. it packaged, that kind of stuff. I mean, that's like shit you do in your kitchen if you buy a whole bird. Right. You know but what who, I mean? That's who not buys, in who buys whole birds anymore. I like, would. Nobody does that. I, I can mean, process, I do all, I can I, process actually, a I, whole bird in like 19 seconds. I do it all the time. I, well, not in <laughs> 19 seconds, but I, like I actually buy whole birds all the time. But like it's okay. cheaper to buy whole birds and you know, whatever, but it's really that first number of steps where it's like getting the birds out of the thing, getting them dead, getting the feathers off of them, getting the insides out of them. That's the yeah. part that's the bad part. Well, okay, so you fucked up the whole show. I mean, that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted me to keep going. I no, tried I to did. tell you we I could did. stop. Like, no, it's like, no, you kept going. This is so, like, man. It's God, the worst job of my God life. God damn it. Like, I got a coli twice. You got a coli? Twice. Oh, I can it Was it sprayed in your eyeballs? I mean, I got projectile shit in my mouth. Like, oh, I don't I know imagine. what to tell you. Oh. And I worked in a plant where there was a million dead chickens going. So I like I can't like, even I joke that you. birds aren't real because like like you were like slitting the gullets of chickens. That's why I was saying chick are chickens different because chickens aren't surveillance. Maybe They're let's ground just say birds. that. Let's just say I chickens, chickens are, are different. a different part of it. Yeah, and I, I think turkeys are different. They're huge birds. Why would turkeys you need, are horrible? I fucking hate turkeys. They're assholes, but, like, but they're delicious. Like, why would you need <laughs> a mass production food source bird? To yeah, be fake? Like, that doesn't make let's, sense. Let's just say. The whole birds aren't real thing is warblers. Like the little tiny birds, and let's just do yeah. that. And it's fuck like it, because the rest is and like cardinals and blue jays and chirpy fun birds that people watch. They're watching you back. And hummingbirds, yeah, because they can get into little spots. Oh, and hummingbirds, one hundred percent. They are fucking you up. Yeah, but like, I mean, you ruin the rest. It's it's. <laughs> I I had I had a whole bunch of other stuff about like drones. <laughs> And all this other stuff, but like but I want to know about that kind of. Do stuff. you want to know sorry. about the drones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, give okay. me the drones thing. So I mean, it's I'm not, obsessed with drones. Like, bring it, bring it on. To okay, me. so let's talk about drones because, like, so when you have like the idea of like birds being actually drones, like you have to look yeah. at uh, where technology was and drones are being developed. So you have to bring it in of like what was happening. So like if you how look far at, back in drones are we talking? We're talking about the 30s, like pedal power submachine drones, like early like late 1800s. Or are we talking? No, 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 like we 1930s. We're talking about like actual early radio powered drones. Okay. So in the in the 1930s, uh, there was a dude Reginald Denny who served with the British Royal Fly, Flying Corps in World War One, and uh, he basically moved to Hollywood in Los Angeles. And he, uh, he decided that he wanted to make a life out of like building drones and stuff. And he had a hard start of it. And, uh, he, he wasn't able to really like make some cool drone stuff happen. And, uh, he decided instead to like go into movies. So he became like this really famous movie star and he was in 150 movies. 
And holy shit. Yeah. So he was in 150 movies. His last movie, he played Commodore Schmidlap in the 1966 Batman movie, the Adam West movie. And he was like one of the big characters in that movie. Did they use the shark spray in that movie? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think they actually did. Like uh, in the beginning, I part love of it. the Adam West and and Robin shark spray. Yeah, so, that's the best shit. So, side story: I was in, I was in, we lived in uh, Los Angeles when Adam West died. Oh no! And they lit up uh, City Hall with the bat with the bat sign. Oh, that's awesome! And it was really cool. And everybody gathered around City Hall, and like we all like talked about Batman and stuff. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, uh, but that's anyways. Cool. So Reginald Denny was in the 1966 movie. It was his very last role. He died a week after the role. Oh, damn. And he played Commodore Schmidlap, who was this dude who, like, developed some sort of shrink ray, and the penguin grabbed him and, you know, did penguin stuff. Yeah. And so essentially, between all these acting jobs, he started futzing around with these radio control model aircraft in the 1930s. And the way he was introduced to it was he was walking down the street in between a movie role and uh, he came along a local kid playing with this gas powered model airplane, which back in the 1930s, these things were like gargantuan. And so, but like gas, like compressed air or gas, like no gasoline, gasoline, petrol. Oh, like gasoline. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Like a two cycle motor. These kids got so much better toys than us. Oh yeah. Fuck y'all. Yeah. I had I had a I had a gas I gotta have battery powered garbage. Y'all got gas powered airplanes. <laughs> like get out of my face. <laughs> and this was nineteen this is nineteen thirty one. Oh my god. This I'm kid so had, like, jealous. Like I bet that shit was awesome. And this is like in Hollywood, Los Angeles. So this kid like loves this plane. And it was probably expensive. Like, I mean, yeah. imagine like what it probably cost. So this kid has this thing going off and he's like flying it around and uh, Commodore Schmidlap slash uh, Reginald Denny strolls up and he asks if he can take a turn. Yeah. And the kid gives him the controls, which this is like very early, like UHF kind of stuff. Yeah. And he's rolling this stuff and he gets the airplane up in the air and wrecks it immediately. Oh just my God. Destroys this poor kid's airplane. I'll be felt like shit about it. Within a new one. seconds. Oh my god! It had to be a horrible thing. That'd be me now. It's like, don't give me your drone. <laughs> right? I'm gonna wreck your drone, right? Like, almost instantly. So, from the wreckage of this poor, poor kid's dreams, Reginald Denny, Reginald Denny builds Reginald Denny Industries and opens up this model plane shop in 1934 on Hollywood Boulevard, known as you know Reginald Denny Hobby Shop. Which now it's a now it's a Seven Eleven parking lot, but back then it was I'm like sick. <laughs> now it's a, like a space where like people hung out and did some cool stuff, and the shop evolved into the radio plane company, and Denny believed that low cost radio control aircraft would be very useful for training anti aircraft gunners, so basically he wanted to like run these planes in front of like dudes who fired anti-aircraft missiles, yeah, and help them like train how to like or like Cuba Gooding Jr. on you know, in Pearl Harbor. Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, like figure out how to like be better, you know? Yeah. And so by 1935, he demonstrates this prototype and they're like, yes, please. And the U S army just jumps at this stuff. So Denny, uh, gets this design and starts spinning this stuff up. And he's got like a ton of these things going for the U S army. 
This uh, is like the future of the like the uh, version zero of the Predator. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. So it's this British kid who lives in Los Angeles, and he just starts building these things. And the U.S. Army is like, "Yeah, let's do." I'll this. give you ten million dollars. Exactly. And he just starts <laughs> doing it more and more and more. That's awesome. And, and he has like this really popular shop. Like it turned into this very popular hobby shop. And so he starts just building these, building these, and he goes through like dozens and dozens and dozens of uh, iterations of this for training U.S. military. And uh, literally, it turns into... Were they all like little planes or did he make like big planes? Well, it was the 30s and 40s. So like these things were like, you know, a couple foot wingspan. Okay. And they turned into smaller and smaller because they were radio, radio controlled. Okay. And his work is what turned into when we go to Dorothea Dex Park and you see those guys flying those radio control airplanes. Yeah. That's what his work became, you know? Yeah. So, you know, today drones are much smaller and louder, but like... Yeah. I mean, I don't want to fly an airplane. I definitely want to fly a quadrocopter. Yeah. Like how much cooler is that? Like, Way cool. Because yeah. I can hover. I don't have to worry about keeping constant, uh, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> momentum in one direction or whatever, crashing it and shit. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can worry about crashing a drone, but like, no, it's true. Put a camera on that crap. Well, and that and that's the next that's the next iteration. What we talk about is we got to talk about like Gorgon stare and shit. Well, that's just crazy. (laughs) Where where does the where does the drone go? So if they had in the 1930s, they were able to like fly these planes well enough to have guys shooting at them. Yeah. In 1930. You know, and we look at what we have today. Yeah, and plus that was like civilian tech, right? Civilians get tech. So where way are we at after today? the government and military does? Could we possibly have fake birds? I, I mean, absolutely. You I think mean, we so? have like we have laser guided missiles. There's definitely like orbital laser guided missiles that were from system. like the thirties. Yeah, like like I mean, we got like laser defense system shit. We got stuff yeah. in space. We got like. Like Gorgon stare shit, which we'll talk about at some point, which is like a yeah. 50 billion pixel camera that can track an entire city at one time. Like, it's insane. Yeah. It, we got insane shit going on out there. 100%. So our, our, we could have like fake birds flying around like, like are fake bird drones people. even hard to do nowadays? Oh man, it'd be easy. You think so? Like, yeah, you think it's just like a thing. You walk, you walk into Congress right now, be like, yo, I want to spy on all of America. And somebody's going to go, can you give me some pictures of Jen Jameson? You go, yes. And you go, dope, I'm in. <laughs> Vote yes. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, when you, when you break it down, it's, it could be very possible with technology yeah. we have. And Plus, if we talk about scale too. It'd be so much easier to design robotics on a small scale than it would be to design something like the size of a person or the size of a Gundam. The bigger the thing gets, yeah, the more I difficult agree. it gets to move. Well, and so the smaller it gets, the easier it gets to move. So then that brings another question. Would it be easier to have actual animal spies or would it be easier just to make the drones? Like take real birds and put cybernetics. In. Yeah, there's there's every day you see like people race pigeons and there's like pigeon carriers and yeah. Could you like have an army of trained pigeons? Is it scalable? There? Yeah, yeah. Is it scalable? I don't know. I feel like the drains. I feel like the drones could be done. You know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So and then, I feel like at this point with the amount of tech we have now, it almost might be easier to do like invisible 
actual mechanical drones <laughs> than it would be to do like flesh and mechanical birds. Okay. So on a scale of uh, one to a hundred, hundred being completely pilled and sold on it, where are you at with birds aren't real? I mean, zero. Zero. That's Bur- fake as fuck. Like birds if we're going to, all right. So if we're going to be real for a second, I know yeah, that I'm definitely it. the one who like, I always believe. Yeah. I love this conspiracy theory. It's the best, but I don't, this love is it the one, this is the conspiracy theory that led us to start this show. Yeah. Like I don't love birds aren't real because I believe that birds aren't real. Yeah. I love birds aren't real because this is like the unicorn of all conspiracy theories. Like okay. it's so ridiculous, but it's so thought out. There's okay. evidence that could support it. There's evidence against it. But this shit is 100% full on thought out <laughs> pre-baked Gen Z humor at its absolute best. And I fucking love the idea of entertaining even for a little bit that this shit could be real because it's a hundred percent fake. That's my thought is it's, it's a, it's a commentary on modern conspiracy culture. Right. And if this you know anything guy, about Gen Z's and the way that their humor is just super fucked up. Oh yeah. This shit fits in perfect. And this guy, Peter McIndoe is like, he's flawless at it. He is. He's and been he's, able to go on you see his videos. national television yeah. and keep a straight face. And he's never once never broken wavered. from yeah. it. Never. And I think I think the whole birds are aren't real thing is a one hundred percent commentary on something like QAnon. It is a it is a repudiation. It is a comment on it. It is saying like we see what you boomers are doing on Facebook. Yeah. And this is our response. Yeah. Boomers are called boomers because all you got to do is insult them for half a second and boom, they turn into children. Essentially. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. like, it's just, it's crazy. Like if you look at the birds aren't real Instagram, they have 97 posts. Yeah. And a hundred, 281,000 followers. They're definitely, they're definitely like their social media is at the level where they're influencers. Absolutely. You know, like their social media is, and they're not capitalizing it as much as they probably should, you know? Yeah. But they, it's interesting and they it, are doing interesting things. It's a political commentary while at the same time being, yeah, of being capitalist and Gen Z humor. Like this dude Absolutely. struck a gold mine. Absolutely. With his plan. This dude's a genius. Like this I, guy I has to be. Agree. Like the biggest genius since like these assholes who started social media. Well, yeah, because there's, there's so many people who talk about it. And I, I talk to these people sometimes who want to figure out a way to like capitalize and make money off of QAnon. Yeah. They're like, how do I get in there and make some money off this and not worry about my morals? Yeah. You You make dope QAnon t-shirts. Sure, you do your thing. But yeah. like this guy figured out a whole angle. He where, didn't have to capitalize on QAnon and, and No, he's just doing know. his thing. Like yeah. he doesn't care, you know? Yeah. And plus like this doesn't hurt anybody. Birds no, it aren't doesn't. real. It's like, interesting. But QAnon? Yeah. I mean, QAnon's got some real life impact. I wouldn't want to be selling QAnon shirts. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like I'd sell birds aren't real shirts and I wouldn't think twice about it. Yeah, because it's fun. Yeah, once, once birds aren't real dies, 
whoever comes up with the next best conspiracy theory since conspiracy theories have gone mainstream. Yeah. It, I mean, they're going to have a cash cow. Yeah. And that shh, maybe what's that'll our, be, what's, maybe that'll be Berluminati. Buy a Berluminati t-shirt. What's our, what's our, uh, birds aren't real. What do we got? Oh man. Horses, uh, horses mm, don't jump. No, Boy. we need, some, no, we would need something good. Kangaroos like, don't leave. Um, like fish aren't real. Undersea surveillance. Uh, yeah, I can see that. It's <laughs> it, that'd be a hard sell, but yeah, I know that's not quite. As, we need like uh, we would only sell to coastal towns. Yeah, that, we that would need would something little... totally different. It'd yeah, to it, has be, it has to be. It has to be completely yeah. off the. Off like the um, I don't know. We'd need something like tech oriented. I feel like it would need be like a cell phones are spying on you or or laptops are spying on you kind yeah. of thing. Like, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. I, I just said, I need to think about it for a while. Yeah. I don't know, but I love this conspiracy theory. It's absolutely I, fake. I'm a huge fan. I, I want, a. have been, I've wanted a birds aren't real t-shirt for like a year and a half. It's very, I will it's not, very easy I to refuse to give this dude my money. That's the only That's thing. A problem. Like, I yeah. think this dude's a genius, but I don't want to give him any of my money. We should make our own shirts. Somebody send me a birds aren't real shirt and I will send you a case of beer. We can do that. We can like, that like, I don't want to give this dude my money, but I will give you free beer. I, I might do that. I might take you up on that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't even have to do it. I might Jake's do it myself. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. All, All right. right. I, uh, yeah. So we, uh, we, we, we landed on, uh, maybe birds are actually real because we've, uh, well, I haven't, but John has seen their guts spilled all over. Yeah. The horror of his entire childhood. Um, but real talk, they're they're not real. Maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that was just cybernetics. I don't know. I mean, they're I definitely think, I real, think he's trying to sell but they're definitely right not real. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. You he decide. Might, he might be trying to sell hoodies. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we we don't we we haven't we haven't talked much about the merge angle. No. So yeah, I mean that's where we're at, and uh, we're gonna talk again real soon. Yeah, guys. Have a good one. Have a good one. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Brew Luminati. Our intro and outro music is written by Dungeness. Want to learn more about the topics we cover and who we are? Join us on Facebook and Instagram at Brew Luminati Podcast for behind the scenes content and updates. Do you have mystical powers of insight or just questions, suggestions, and feedback? Reach out to us at thebrewluminati at gmail.com. Are you ready to immerse yourself into the inner circle? Visit patreon.com slash podcast. For the same price as a cup of coffee or sandwich you won't remember, you know, because of mind control, you can join the Brewluminati and lift the veil on the true mysteries of the universe. Your membership to the Conclave unlocks access to our secret Discord server, bonus Patreon-only content, behind-the-scenes talks, and much more. Every dollar spent not only helps us reveal the truths of the world, but also frees us to make the show better, weirder, and allows us to go deeper and deeper into the void while funding our next beer run. When we're not talking conspiracies and beer, we're passionate about saving the forgotten puppies and kitties of the world. 10% of every dollar you donate goes directly to the Best Friend Pet Adoption Agency. They are a local 501c3 all-breed, all-foster cat and dog rescue that will save the life of a pet who never had a chance. Keep an eye out because we'll be posting pictures of the lives our listeners save. For more information on Best Friend Pet Adoption, head over to bfpa.org. Join us again next week for another episode of Brew Luminati. We know you will. 
Because again, mind control is real. Thank you.